Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it is hip to be square. With great podcasting comes great responsibility. We continue our summer of fun and talk all about the blockbuster phenomenon of the first Spider-Man films on Normies Like Us. Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. As you heard up top, we're continuing our summer of fun. We've been talking blockbuster franchises, jumping around. Guys, we weren't born at a time where we could watch the Batman franchise in theaters, things like that. So we're talking superhero blockbuster franchises. We're talking the big one this week. We're talking the original Spider-Man films with your host, Sensational Colin. Uh, this will be Ultimate Mike. Amazing Joe. Bonesaw is ready. Oh, shit. Bonesaw is ready. Oh, my God. Sorry, Bonesaw's Bonesaw here. here. Kill him. <laughs> Three minutes of playtime. Now, I, Bonesaw, I see you are snapping into a Slim Jim. Uh, I am excited to be talking to you today because I know that you were, right. you were trying to snap into a man spider, a spider man that you wrestled in the ring as well. He's going nowhere. <laughs> now, Bonesaw, would it, you man. say you're ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Bonesaw, Bonesaw is ready. Is ready. <laughs> Excellent. That's right. Uh, all right, Bonesaw had to leave. Uh, it's me, Jacob. Again. Bye, Bonesaw. Oh, Jacob's Bye. here. See you, Bonesaw. Well, welcome. Yeah, summer of fun is now turned into kind of spider summer for the next couple of episodes. Um, yeah, starting out with the Raimi-verse, and like Colin said, kind of the start of the superhero craze obviously we had x-men slightly earlier but this really kind of turned it into global phenomenon status uh, was these early sam raimi spider-mans which we uh, are going to discuss today all three of them yeah yeah mike that's right i'm excited for this it's superhero summer of fun it's our blockbuster season it's july it's joe's birthday i'm calling it july we're celebrating <laughs> spider-man this month i'm excited to do each iteration here and be talking the webhead with my best buddy here and and you guys the normies i want to hear your opinions too absolutely so i guess what we'll end up doing is going uh kind of through these for our segments as we generally do obviously we might just briefly talk about video games comics on the end but we're really talking about the movies it feels on this episode but i want to ask you guys off the top uh how did you prepare for this did you watch them all in one sitting in parts have you not watched them because you watched them so many times uh joe as our resident spidey expert how how did you go about Um preparing yeah, I, I watched them again. I have all of the, the DVDs, so I threw them in the background while I was working from home. Um, these are yearly watches for me, though. I mean, I'm always checking these out. I think uh, the third one is on Netflix, but the other two are kind of a little harder to come by. But luckily, I have the uh, the old DVDs for backup. Nice. The old digital versatile The third one disc. was on Netflix. I think so, true? yeah. Well, I had to rent the third. I saw the first two using stars through my cable setup or whatever, and then I in the third one I had to rent. Yes, oh. I so I rented them all on Maybe YouTube. Maybe it was removed. 
Well, if it was on Netflix, yeah, maybe it, uh, it keeps to the trend of Netflix only having the bad uh, sequels, much like the Terminator episode uh, that we did last week. Netflix <laughs> only had Genesis and Salvation. So, right. But we like Genesis, but we're not talking that. We're talking the Genesis yeah, of Genesis superheroes. Boys. Colin, how did you prepare Genesis for this? Boys. <laughs> I like when we talk about the struggle of the stream. Uh, when we start these episodes that it goes, okay, so like put your coconuts together. Well, what did you dial in? You know, where did you radio to? What God did you pray to? <laughs> Um, Madam Webb. This, these were ones I happen to just have fucking old fashioned DVDs, guys. I'm not even talking Blu-rays. So I was very excited to be so superior and so smug to watch these. I put each one of them in, and my PlayStation would not read any of them. So oh, I did no. not watch no. these movies. <laughs> Colin, so yeah, do you have wrong. the the first the gen of them or any of the like dumb? Because this was the first time where they started doing like Spider-Man 2.1 and stuff I would like give that. Right. anything, Joe, to have a copy of 1.5, the DVD, or yeah. 2, Ultimate Edition. No, I looked it up. My number one is a special edition. I don't know where that would fall, but uh, other than that, they're all just normal. Yeah, yeah, me too. Like those are ones I would love to track down. There's there's 1.5 and then 2.1, which like both of those came out before the uh, the respective sequels. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Well, that being said, like you said, talking about where you can watch them, it is interesting now, you know, with um, whether it's going to be stars or you had to rent them or if you have the DVDs, there you go. But it seems like stars and renting on YouTube is going to be your way, normies, if you haven't seen these in a while or want to check them out. Uh, physical media is dead unless you happen to own it. Um, but uh, we have done a Spider-Man kind of overview episode, if you go back and listen to that. So we're going to kind of assume that you're familiar with the character of Spider-Man, a little bit of the comic origins. We might touch on that, but you know who Uncle Ben is, you know who Spider-Man is, that sort of thing. And we're just going to kind of uh, be talking about the Raimi films. I love this, Mike. We're the Marvel movies, the the Marvel Universe <laughs> movies. We're not acknowledging Uncle Ben. We're not like, guys, we did that episode. Go back, check it all. We're diving right in. I love that. Let's do it. Let's talk to the webhead. Let's talk to the back what is up webheads we're talking about the sam raimi spider-man films we talked our, our summer fun progression is so interesting to go we've got the master auteurs like i said we talked spielberg we've talked george lucas and we got the weirdos we're doing a little james cameron we're going down that route this is another guy that he's inspired by joe we fucking love the evil dead series this is a weird oh, yeah. indie horror director who gets to go like, all right, the, an old woman eating wheat cakes and her weird <laughs> young nephew. Like, this is right up my alley. Colin, it's a great throwback to our Evil Dead episode, too, because I think he informed so much of our taste when we were young. And then right at the perfect time, he brings superhero movies back to being cool again. I think um, every generation kind of has their moment, right? Like older people, it was seeing Christopher Reeves as Superman. Uh, he was like this beacon of hope. It was bright colored. And then you had the Batman stuff. And then Batman and Robin made superhero movies lame again. Like it kind of spoiled everyone. So all we got was like black leather, Blade and X-Men. But then, bam, Sam Raimi comes out and, and you've got the, the renaissance of superhero movies. 
the birth of Comic-Con now as we know it all started with Sam Raimi and Spider-Man. Yeah, and I agree. Like after um, kind of the Batman dip and then even um, B.S., who we don't like to mention his full name on this podcast, but his (laughs) X-Men movies, you know, he he didn't want comic books on the set. Like he did not want to be like comic accurate or anything. And those, you know, those were popular enough. But this really was, like you said, the the Comic-Con thing. And it also reminds me of that trend of... um, you know, getting kind of like an indie director and throwing him into like a blockbuster franchise that we see now. Like Sam Raimi wasn't like a nobody, but he was used to kind of smaller scale stuff. Mike, I think this is the start of exactly what you just said, because my opinion of these Spider-Man films is they're a lot bigger than Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi is somebody who like people are like, oh, he's an indie director. It's this cult, this niche that follows Mm -hmm. him. It's like, Spider-Man was the biggest movie blockbuster event of the time when it happened. But his name really isn't stamped to it as much as it's Spider-Man 1, it's Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3. Oh, and then they just kept rebooting and making these other ones and blah, blah, blah. And his name kind of gets left by the wayside, in my opinion. Yeah, but I- yeah, it's really only like diehard Spider-Man fans that have like their sex that they fall into. And then like the Raimi fans are now now a thing that we've had these other reboots. But before you're right, Colin, it was just, yeah, the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, and, and you can, like, if you are a Sam Raimi fan, and especially, I think, in the second one, we'll get there, but you can see his fingerprints kind of all over this here and there, like, if you're familiar with oh, his yeah, work, which sure. is cool. Jacob, what's your thoughts on the, the Raimi-verse? Um, yeah, I think I agree with you, Mike. I think it's uh, funny. There's one scene in 2 that specifically I uh, reminds me of a lot of Evil Dead, but yeah. we'll get to that. Um Sam Raimi, I think he was a great choice to helm these because he kind of, yeah, like he just went in with the, it's a comic book movie with the aesthetic, the tone, everything. I think I like these movies and I think, you know, they're seminal, you know, important movies in the the birth of the superhero genre as a genre that like exists now. Um, But I also think maybe they're a little, not overrated, but maybe don't quite hold up to uh, more modern movies because obviously they were like the birth of, of a whole genre basically. Um, but some things they might be a little dated or a little obvious now that I wouldn't, you wouldn't normally see in, in a newer superhero movie. Jacob, I, I am so right there with you, dude. There is this new generation of people who, whenever they see earnestness, they go, that's actually corniness. I don't like it. So what I'm going right. to do instead is embrace it in a comedy way. You saw that a lot with the prequel memes, like the people being like, prequels are so cool. And the rise of Raimi memes. Oh, any silly moment in these movies, it's so goofy, it's so cool, it's this and that. Guys, it's really, it's it's just Sam Raimi's style. He's it's Again, it's it's sometimes right. it is intentionally goofy. Sometimes it's just a weird, nerdy, Michigan skinny kid who's just like getting his weird goosebumps out. Right, because I do think these these can be very goofy movies, very over the top at points, and I think they they are comedy movies. Like I think they're uh, very comedic. There's a lot of both intentional and unintentional comedy to be had in all these movies. Um, I guess my hot take is that uh, while I still like these movies, I do prefer the new. I prefer Spider Verse and the new Marvel MCU Spider Man movies to these movies. Not that these, I think these are bad. Yeah, and then it should be stated that we are going to go through in uh, in July here, and we're going to talk about each kind of era of the Spider Man films in the coming episodes. So we're going to do the Sony 
uh, Garfield and Spider-Verse, and we're going to do the Marvel stuff in the coming weeks. Um, but that's an interesting take. Right. But my other hot take is that I think these movies, all three of these movies are closer in tone and overall feeling than people a lot of times think. I think three is underrated and two might be over, even though I like two the best. I think they're all pretty similar, actually, in quality. This is is something I go back and forth with so many times. Like, it really depends on the day. I remember thinking when Spider-Man was in Civil War that, like, oh, okay, this is the best Spider-Man ever. Um, But then I'll rewatch the Raimi movies, and I got to tell you, man, I think they are the most comic-accurate comic book movies ever. I mean, like, we'll... We're talking about the first one. Uh, That is beat by beat Spider-Man story. I mean, it really does hit so many moments in the comics that are like directly pulled in ways that the MCU doesn't really do now. And the Garfield stuff wasn't really doing either. It's really just a faithful adaptation of a weird, awkward kid. Yeah. And and like you said, this is feels very comic faithful, right? To the origins of Spider-Man. And in the same way, it's the origins of telling Spider-Man on the big screen. So, yeah, let's jump in with the first film because it is the origins movie. And in my opinion, this is the best. We always make jokes. Oh, how many times do you have to see Bruce Wayne's parents die? But this is the best, like, origin of Spider-Man of all of these, I think, that we get. Um, and I, I think it, it's yeah. pretty good. Um, you get Flash Thompson, who's now a huge D&D nerd. Uh, everyone's aged up a little bit, I think, if I can just get my initial Justice thoughts League. out of the way, right? Everyone's a little bit older than high school. Right. But some of the o- oldest high school students you've ever seen. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my god. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I'm going to I'm going to start there then. Uh, the way I think this is the most comic accurate take on Spider-Man, the original run of Spider-Man Amazing Fantasy. He is in high school for like the first 25 or 26 issues after that he is in college grad school struggling to find jobs the bulk of spider-man stories are not in high school we just kind of have that vibe because the ultimate universe is set entirely in high school and that universe started right when the raimi movie came out ah i do think you know i I like that they leave high school pretty soon um, in the first movie. First but I, I do think how f- it's, yeah, I do think it's funny though, just some of the actors. Like I looked up some of the ages, like Tommy McGuire, 27 in the first uh, movie. Yeah. Jacob, they uh, leave Joe high Manginello. school as fast as they can uh, because <laughs> Tommy McGuire is shaving between <laughs> takes. Pace. Yeah. I mean, it is insane. Yeah. <laughs> so he's 27. Joe Manginello as Flash Thompson was 26. James Franco was 24. I mean, these are people in their mid to late 20s, but I do, you know, it's Hollywood, but um, can I say my main problem with the trilogy, with this movie and the trilogy as a whole, is that I don't like Tobey Maguire. Wow. That as, would be a good point to start. Um, but yeah, ar- give your argument. Then we could talk Tobey. That's yeah, smart. I, so he's kind of, obviously, he's like a weird nerd, and I, and I like that, but I just don't like Tobey Maguire's portrayal at all, really. And even as he gets more confident as Spider-Man, his personality doesn't really change that much, except for in the third one. So, Jacob, will you break it down how people do Batman? Will you do the duality? He doesn't work for you as Peter Parker and as Spider-Man? Do you think there's one he excels at? I think he's okay as Peter Parker, but uh, it's just, uh, I mean, we'll get to the amazing ones because I, I think, you know, Andrew Garfield, I think he's better than Andrew Garfield, but... Um, you don't like I the s- hero voice Tobey Maguire puts on when he's, hey, come on, I'm <laughs> Spider-Man. 
it's but not that's terrible. Exactly I just think what part of, Peter Parker would do. Like, no, Peter I Parker know, is I a know. Nerdy kid. But even portraying that nerdy kid, I just don't particularly like his acting. I guess I just don't like some of the line readings he did. I think there's some sh- somewhat um, iffy acting in this movie overall from Toby, from James Franco, Kirsten Dunst, Kirsten Dunst. I mean, none of them are that great, especially in this one. Um, I think they'd get a little better as the trilogy goes on. Joe, what's what's your that take being after? said? I want to get a counterpoint yeah, here. Then, I mean, I think he's. I think Toby Maguire is the best Peter Parker post high school. Um, so, like, once mm. we get into two and three, three especially, I think he nails Peter Parker. Um, my biggest complaint with his Spider Man is that he's not as quippy as he should be. I mean, there is like there is that duality. When he puts that mask on, it's like, you know, having the the free reign to to say the things you would never say before. And we get that when he's fighting Bonesaw, but we never really get it after Ben dies. Because Ben dies and he's like, oh no, this is all serious. I have a sense of responsibility. It's Captain America for the rest of the movie. Yeah, so he loses that that fun that he gets when he's right. flipping around and making now dated jokes to Ben uh, Bonesaw. Um, but yeah, once Ben dies, he is he is Spider Man with a purpose. I do think he, he I think his best acting is in three. Um, wow, and hot, he does have hot, that quippiness sometimes. <laughs> no, okay. just in general. Like I'm, I'm not saying it's the best movie here, Jacob. That's the hottest <laughs> take of all time. Mike, I want to hear, what do you think of Toby Spider-Man? And keep this in mind, Mike, that this guy won an MTV Video Award Best Kiss with Kirsten Dunst upside down. For High honors. Don't tell me he doesn't have chemistry, Mike. Well, that, I got to say, you know, that is probably one of like the top five most iconic movie kisses, right? I mean, it is, but uh, Toby... Oh, big time. Sometimes, I, and, and this gets into the trilogy, I do, I like how goofy he is like he's a little older than he should be he is so awkward and nerdy like it 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 works for me as this comic booky portrayal of the nerdiest dude in the room um and i do like that uh so i I like toby overall my main problem i guess is that he starts out that way but he doesn't change over time and even in the second and third movies he's still just this weird nerd like this absolute dork in the third one, especially too. But see, I'm hey, going to make I just the say comparison now? now, though. Oh, go ahead, Calm. Well, but you guys keep saying the word nerd. This one's a loser. I think he really shows that off really well. He is yeah. desperate with Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. He is desperate at work. Nothing is ever working out. He is a bona fide <laughs> piece of shit in all three movies. Yeah, can't catch a break. Um, and then if we want to get into some of the other actors, I think, you know, Mary Jane is kind of a bad person through most of these movies. Um, <laughs> Harry, obviously also kind of a bad person. Um, so there's just wow. a lot of character, uh, decisions that characters make that I just don't like, I guess. Well, I don't know if Harry's a bad person. I think James Franco, uh, can be somewhat limited, but I do like how just, <laughs> he's the best. In the third he's great well. in the third one, but, um, uh, I do think Kirsten Dunst is a little, stilted at times uh is mary jane but that being said she's still like kind of the version of mary jane i i most picture you know what i mean when i'm thinking of spider-man yeah movies. no doubt i just mean like her character like i guess okay so here's my other main problem with these movies is that so much of these movies all three of them are taken up by peter and mary jane relationship drama 
that just so gets bad. tedious and repetitive, and it has oh the same God, arc in all three point, movies. That's the point of Spider-Man comics. Please, <laughs> like, yes. All, but it's the, the same in all three movies. <laughs> two yeah. has the same. Their relationship in two has is the same basic arc. As uh, one. I would argue, Jacob, she's meaner in number two for no yeah, reason. Yeah, in two, <laughs> she's emotionally manipulative. Um, tries to get with him. He's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't just want to be friends. And then when he I wants to get with her, you. she doesn't want to be with him. And it just keeps going back oh, and forth. Boy. I don't I'll know. I'll tell it's... you, if you think she's bad in these movies, you would hate Mary Jane in the comics. Like, you would absolutely Maybe despise would. Mary Jane in the comics. <laughs> and so much of the comics is, will they, won't they, back and forth like that. Like, they'll kiss, and then 40 issues later, it'll be like, hey, remember that time we kissed? I don't know what that meant. Do you know what that meant? Like... <laughs> Yeah, Jacob, right. I think you would despise Spider-Man comics. Face it, Tiger. I'm a I psychopath. Think, uh, yeah. I think my frustration got the most in the second one because it was just like, it seemed like every time Peter wanted to be in a relationship, she didn't. And then every time Mary Jane wanted to be in a relationship, Peter didn't. And just went back and forth like that, like three or four times within the same movie. And I was like, just just get together or don't. I don't care anymore. <laughs> All right, well, oh, to, to okay. Joe's point, though, that, <laughs> that is... Sorry, I'm sorry, Peter. We're talking about, oh, he's such a fucking loser and stuff. But like... That is Spider-Man. Like he's he's a he's a loser kind of. He can't get his right. shit together. He's always having relationship problems, and then balancing being a superhero with that—that's the whole thing, right? So in that point, it is accurate. No, I get that. It kind of doesn't work without the rest of the Lothario angle, though. You have um, Betty Brant in the first one, right, working for J. Jonah Jameson. But really, you don't get Gwen Stacy till the third to have him sort of branch out a little more. Without the rest of his women rogues gallery, it kind of feels empty. Right. If it, To Jacob's point, if it's just, Mary Jane, what are we doing? Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, like, I think this is the the most bastardized version of his love life. Um, like when we meet Gwen Stacy in the third, she's a model, which is Mary Jane's stick. It doesn't really make a bunch of sense. And Betty Brandt is like, you're a baby and I'm a grown woman, except for like one throwaway joke in the third. So, you know, I would have liked to seen all of that explored more, but. Mm -hmm. I mean, are we agreed then? Best girl of this Sam Raimi series is Melk Apartment Girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Definitely. Like, so let's talk about where you were when you saw these movies. I'm In gonna, a movie I'm theater. Start... <laughs> True. <laughs> um, I remember going to see Sam Raimi's Spider-Man opening day and the news was there. There were people in costumes. I mean, I remember thinking like, oh, this is a this is a big deal. Like it's beyond, I'm just excited to see a Spider-Man movie. Like the news is here talking about it. This means something. Did you guys have like a, an experience like that? Or? It's up there with the, the same process of where were you when princess died, died for our age. Where were you when you heard about nine 11 and where were you when you saw the nine 11 Spider-Man teaser? I, I would agree with you, Joe, there was a <laughs> weight to it that, uh, again, I keep saying, you know, the blockbuster talk for our age group. I went to Spider- or X-Men. I, I went to X-Men maybe opening night, but Spider-Man, I know I went to opening night. Yeah, and I remember seeing that first trailer with the web and the helicopter and stuff, and it was just like, wait, 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 Spider-Man movie? Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was so, I know I went and saw this opening day and blew my mind. And that was the craziest yeah, teaser. I mean, we should we should talk about that, I guess, now that you brought it up. Mm -hmm. Um the the 911 teaser where he is 
trapped a helicopter in between the two towers. Uh, it ran on Jurassic Park 3, which I did see in theaters. Alan. Um, and now you can only find it in like YouTube and stuff. Which obviously, yeah, they had to pull it after after 9-11 and everything. But yeah, that was super iconic trailer because, you know, you don't know what it is. And then you reveal, holy shit, we're getting a Spider-Man movie. And the hype was real, at least for me, because I told you on earlier shows, I only had a couple comic books, one of which was Spider-Man, um, uh, the Venom arc. But I was like, yes. And I watched the cartoon religiously. I was so ready for it. So For me, I guess I wasn't as into Spider-Man as you guys, but I don't... I don't remember seeing the first two in theaters, but I did see the third one in theaters in 2007, I believe. So I was a little older then. Um, but I I don't have a lot of memories from when I was 12 in general. So you're a robot that we programmed. <laughs> that blows my mind. Number two, especially by the time this was cemented as Summer Fair, like that was, those were birthdays for me where other kids' birthdays lined up with my birthday and I knew we were seeing that sucker twice. Mm. I, yeah, had, I guess I just didn't. Yeah. I had beaten the Spider-Man Two video game, which came out like two weeks before the movie. Before the movie even came out, like these were, you were you were waiting for them. I would say I cared about these way more than the prequels. If I'm being honest. All right. Well, then I have a, another me. question for you. Um, being an early Spider-Man movie, the first origin story. Joe, who is Spider-Man's first villain? Go. It's Green Goblin. I mean, it's, uh, well, it's, I guess you could say it's the, the, well, the unknown for now, uh, Robert. But, uh, yeah, I mean, William Defoe as Green Goblin, come on, man, doesn't get any better than that performance. Except it almost did because, uh, honestly, the whole Power Rangers outfit, I, I liked it at the time because it's like, this is the only version of Green Goblin. I guess you would have a plastic suit and stuff. But really, when you look at some of these leaked behind the scenes of like it was supposed to look like a human face and really with Willem Dafoe, one of the greatest faces in cinema, much like Death Note, yes. just use his face. Just put some they makeup on it. Like, face, for sure. Come on. Like Death Note. So yeah. I think it's a, a, a missed note is uh, the design of the Green Goblin in this movie. I think, you know, the first movie, it, it feels kind of. Uh, old-fashioned by today's standards. I mm -hmm. think they definitely improved the costumes and the looks on the second and third movies. But I have to say, Willem Dafoe, as much as I didn't like the main three kid actors, I guess, I love Willem Dafoe. I think he's perfect casting. Um, there's two perfect casting, I think, in this movie. Willem Dafoe and J.K. Simmons. Oh, yeah. As J. Jonah Jameson, right? And he's still I mean, around, and he, we'll be talking about him throughout yeah. pretty much all of these uh, trilogies. Right, they had to bring him back for the new one because it's like who else are you going to cast as J. Jonah Jameson like no one's ever going to beat that performance so might as well just get him back Colin, do you have thoughts on the Green Goblin though while we're talking the main villain here? I was watching it the whole time Mike wondering if you liked him more than Doc Ock as far as mm. these movies lined up for some reason I was like I bet Mike likes Willem Dafoe better I'm very happy to hear that you guys love him too the Power Ranger suit does not bug me I, I think it looks cool I think I do like him better than Doc Ock. I love the look of Doc Ock, and we'll get to that, but his his character is less important, I think, than, than Goblin. I mean, they, and, just, they, they did Norman Osborn justice. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like he's just the bad guy who's in there for no reason. You have the stakes. Like, you have the, the relationship with Harry is really well done, in my opinion, and they let Norman perfectly played by William Defoe, go crazy and 
like that that means everything well to jacob's earlier point Absolutely. about sort of the cheesiness or corniness of it it's like i mean let's let's be real here willem dafoe is giving one of the schlockiest he is eating the scenery he is losing his mind most of the memes i, I was it. talking about earlier are of willem dafoe in this movie but he's somehow i mean he's just he like a magnet he just pulls you to him I mean, in this movie, before Lord of the Rings and Smeagol talking to himself in CGI, we get Willem Dafoe talking to himself in a mirror, and it's such like a sick scene when the goblin is trying to convince him to do more crime bad stuff, and you know, he loses his company and the funding, and he's pissed off, and he has to self-experiment in order to prove it to secure more funding, and then he goes crazy. He does have a good arc as a character. Back to formula. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm a bit of a scientist myself, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I think yeah. um yeah what else do you think I kind of think of these I kind of think of these three movies like the universe that that this exists it's kind of a heightened world it's a comic book world mm -hmm. right so it doesn't have to be realistic 100% of the time that's why I can get behind some of the goofiness and the the corniness I don't necessarily see it as corny I just think it fits in that world um I, and it is a perfect like movie representation of a com of a comic book world i guess and it 100% is a comic book world mm -hmm. i mean i mean yeah. like they they are going to call doc ock uh doctor doom and j jonah jameson says that's good but it's taken like they make right. jokes about other and, things in the marvel universe yeah and it's kind of this weird world where like computers don't seem to exist cuz like in the newsroom like they're all using old fashioned like photo developing right. technology and stuff it's like it's 2002 I'm pretty sure you, you, people were using computers at that <laughs> Print point media yeah, for, like, exists stuff like that yeah it's it's Tim Burton's Gotham I mean, yes, it's Sam yes. Raimi's New York. But it's just like, Sam Raimi's New York, yeah. I love that, I Joe. I was going to say, in my mind, this movie universe also had the Dick Tracy film play out. And this is just like after all that stuff. <laughs> I'd be for that, man. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. the, the typewriter verse. Yeah. Computers <laughs> never got invented here. <laughs> I love that. Right. But with yeah. that in mind, I think Green Goblin, I think Willem Dafoe's portrayal is perfect. I think it like it's not too over the top for me because it just fits in this universe. Yeah, in the comic book universe, it does fit. Joe was talking about comic accuracy before, the death scene, the sort of self-inflicted from the glider. I mean, that's iconic, right, guys? Because again, this is PG-13. Are we going to see anything like that in superhero movies going forward? I mean, we might see a lot crazier stuff if we're counting Deadpool. <laughs> But yeah, but like, I don't know. I think it's really unparalleled in terms of like the emotional stakes where you, you have a villain. It's now when they kill off villains, it's like you just kill them off so you don't have to deal with them anymore. You know what I mean? Like, so they they're gone. This like has weight to it. And again, if you're not a Spider-Man fan, that is pulled directly from the comic books. That is how it goes down. And it does have consequence executed for better or worse in the later films with his relationship with Harry, etc., and Harry taking over the company, things like that. But we also touched on, speaking of some of the emotions in this movie, you know, the Uncle Ben scene, right? And this, for my money, again, is like the best kind of Uncle Ben, you know, speech that we get. Great power, great responsibility. I mean, how do we feel about that, Joe? It's perfect. I mean, I, I don't think you need to do it again because you nailed it on the first try. Agree. Yes, I love that. And I, that's one thing I definitely remember from... Seeing it as a as a young as a kid um, is just that speech, and you know people would just like quote that to me all the time, and it was just like with great power comes great responsibility. I just remember that quote so well. Um, 
but also I have to say rewatching it, it's a little weird how that speech comes about because kind of the whole opening of this is kind of strange to me because basically, so Peter is actually not trying to become a superhero at all at the beginning. He wants to be an amateur wrestler so that he can buy a car to impress MJ. Sounds about right. Um, and then comic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But then uncle Ben's speech comes before, you know, he even like, He's developed powers, but, you know, Uncle Ben doesn't know this, but he gets in a fight with Flash Thompson, and then Uncle Ben is telling him, okay, so, you you know, and he's like, well, I, de- you know, I was defending myself, but he's like, well, just because you can, like, beat someone up doesn't mean you should, you know, blah, 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 but it, then after that, Spider-Man just, you know, keeps beating people up, you know, bad guys, obviously, but, like, I don't know, but I, I do think it's iconic, so maybe I'm nitpicking it, but. Yeah, I think I think this is an issue of, you know, the movie too well. And now you're like overthinking <laughs> certain things because they're like, yeah, yeah. Uncle Ben doesn't know he's Spider-Man. That's the whole point, though, Jacob, is you need to know that with great power comes great responsibility because you Jacob, but why would he have say great that? power. What great what? power is he oh, yeah. talking well, about? Well, he did. He shirked one inside res- you. Not maybe great power. We're just saying, hey, responsibilities, you know, because he also said he was going to paint the kitchen and didn't because he was too yeah, busy Michael running Angelo around doing Spider-Man it. shit. Yeah, exactly. Right. So he was, whatever right. he was doing, it was ignoring I don't his know, I responsibilities. Guess just upon this rewatch, I just think the, the, el- the order of things is kind of funny to me, but I think, you know, it's a good comic book setup. That stood out to you. To me, it's the dating of the early 2000s with the guy who shoots Uncle Ben's crazy peroxided tips where I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> I remember that look. I think that oh, and all the, uh, gray? the Ford Tauruses is ta- like all the 90s cars. Oh, my God, Mike. <laughs> yeah. the Ford I drove a Ford Taurus when I was yeah. a teen. Uh, do we have any other last thoughts on this opening one before we give it, let's say, out of five webs uh, in, on it? Oh, I like that. I also we have to get everybody's opinion per round. On the Bruce Campbell cameo. Oh, yeah. Now, Jacob said the wrestling scene. He's there with Macho Man. There's other Sam Raimi stuff. Rosemary DeWitt's car. Uh, Aunt May is obviously the the crazy Chevy that has been in every fucking Sam Raimi film of all time. Mm-hmm. Do you guys like crazy ring announcer? I fucking love this him, one Joe. is Do good. He, he names Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He, like one of my favorite behind the scenes footage was uh, Bruce Campbell being like, you know, people call it cameos, but. I give the character his name. I'm the most important person in that movie. What a piece of shit. He also narrated the the first Spider-Man video game and took you through like the training and stuff like that. So I was so happy. Like, I don't know if I knew in Spider-Man 1 because it's probably the least recognizable Bruce. I mean, like, I, I don't think I knew too. right away. Yeah, he's his biggest. He's got that... Uh, you know that Briscoe County money, and he's got those glasses on. Uh, so like, it's it's kind of hard to so tell it's good. him, but I don't know. He does the announcer voice so well, and anytime I see Bruce, it puts a smile on my face. I think it's great, but it's actually my probably my least favorite of the three Bruce cameos because the other two are just so funny. Um, They're yeah. out of this world from here on out, Jacob. I agree. It's the most yeah. important because he gives him his name, but it's hard to compete when you're standing next to Bonesaw to like steal the scene. <laughs> I was I was right, dead. Macho Man, so Randy focused Savage. on the Macho Man. Yeah, three minutes of play. Yeah. Miss Elizabeth, that. you gotta call me Bonesaw. <laughs> That's right. Another <laughs> thing I was, <laughs> yeah, another thing I can nitpick. Like I could do a bunch of nitpicks because <laughs> I just things kept coming to me as I was watching this. But 
when he puts down, so it's a, cha- ca- a cage match, right? But he didn't know it was going to be a cage oh, yeah. match. And then Peter Parker's like, wait, I didn't sign up for a cage match, but wouldn't he want the cage match? Because that allows him to use his spider powers more than an open ring would with no I'm more like, concerned ceiling. with how he sticks with his sneakers. He, he just got his spider powers, though. It's not like he's like, right. I've been but like, what was his plan? Years, I need a new car. With Without a cage, what would his plan have been? He's thinking he with his hormones, Jacob. He's thinking yeah, with I his think his plan boy was hormones. to be 17 and horny and try to get a car to impress a girl. <laughs> yeah. We're also going to see a ton of homemade Spider-Man suits for the rest of this month as we cover sort of the first film in these series. Do you guys like this one? Again, very dated, almost like the carnival spray paint shirts that people would make for you. Right. The human spider. It kind of reminds me of like a little bit of Scarlet Spider vibes, like the little hoodie sweater. They always try to throw it in there without going the whole way. One of these days, I wish they would just go the whole way. Just, just make it the fucking suit. Um, I would say the only time that it this movie feels super dated to me is the the um, CGI when he's in that suit and crawling. It Mm. it, it Mm. doesn't age. The cloth movement is right. Yeah, once he's in the regular suit, though, I still think this movie holds up in terms of effects. Yeah, the kinesthetics of the swinging, this is the first time we see that. I think that that's still very iconic, and it feels pretty good. It still looks great. I think the effects in this one are the worst of the three as well, just because technology was advancing, obviously. But I do think they look pretty good. There's some scenes when he's swinging with... MJ, where you can tell it's actually a mannequin with a Spider-Man suit. <laughs> that is incredible. And she's just holding on to it, which I thought was kind of funny. And then another one um, that doesn't hold up quite as well, but I do think is funny, is when is the celebration scene where Green Goblin comes, he throws the bomb at those guys, and they just Meh. like turn into they skeletons vaporize, and, and yeah. dissolve. I think that's very funny. But Yeah, that's it very it's, it's Sam dated a little bit. But man, I love yeah. the the pumpkin bombs are in there. Like again, yeah. if if you are the only glider. a casual Spider Man fan and you like the movies, pick up the the first run of Amazing Fantasy. Pick up early Spider Man comics. You're gonna see those moments as they happen in the comics. Well, I'll even ask you guys right here before we get off the first one. Um, have you ever seen Sam Raimi's first fare into superhero? Did you guys ever see Dark Man, the original character that he created? Because that skeleton scene, I mean, Mike, you just said it. It's very Sam Raimi. It's very Dark Man. It's very goofy. It's very over the right. top. It's very like pow, thwip. I had not seen Dark Man, but I, I've heard about it in doing research. So I think I'll need to Normies. check it out. Watch Dark Man. Yeah. But again, <laughs> even with all the nitpicks and everything I'm doing, I still think this movie works really, really well and obviously is iconic in the So where, genre where does it web for you? How then? many thwips how many thwips out of five? Out of five? Well, basing it compared to the other two in the series or just as a movie in general? I, I think I would it say due to, to Spider Man. Right? As a, as a Spider Man. I would say where is it on your pyramid here? Oh, um, I'll say three and a half out of five. Three and a half whips. Okay. Three and a half whips. Gotcha. I'm probably going to be the biggest Spidey hater in this podcast if people haven't noticed yet. Not that I don't like him. It's just that I think you guys all like him a lot more than me. So. All right. Well, if I can go then. I'll be the devil's advocate. Uh, real quick. The web shooters coming out of his wrist. That was a James Cameron invention. I want to mention that to tie us back to Terminator. Not just Bryce Dallas Howard being in these movies too. Uh, so there's a little bit of hangover from there. I wish they were machines, which that's a little side note. But that being so, said, I was wondering about that. Yeah. So that's 
only ever been done in in these movies, right? It's never been done in the yes, comics sir. before. Never. It, before it has been done in the comics, but they it was kind of retroactive to to highlight that it happened in the movies. So he like um, he goes through a phase where he becomes almost like a human spider and is like reborn again. And that was in the comics slightly after this. So they were like, yeah, we'll give him organic web shooters for a little bit as like a, a side effect of that arc. Gotcha. Well, I think that needs to be mentioned with this version of the characters. He does have organic web shooters as opposed to the mechanical ones. I lean mechanical because it shows that he's a technology guy, but you know, yeah. I still enjoyed seeing it. So I give this, in the spectrum of all Spider-Man movies, just only three thwips out of five. It's, it is a very good origins movie, maybe the best origin comic book movie in my opinion, but three thwips out of five for Spider-Man movies. I just wanted to say about the organic web shooters, while I do like the science aspect of him making it, it also does fit into the puberty uh, themes oh, yes. and basically going through puberty. I like that. Know? Fluids, yes. I like that, but Jacob, yes. if I had sacks of web in my wrist that would like spray out sometimes, it's so fucking disgusting. <laughs> it would happen in the middle of math uh, class without you planning so it. It's so embarrassing. Hey. <laughs> I love what Mike just said. Thinking about it as an origin story, too. And I'm right there with you and why I wanted to go next. Three thwips out of five. This is my least favorite out of the three, I'm going to say. Wow. Okay, and I'm going to go with three as well. I'm dropping it down a We're half. We're all at three thwips, Joe, please. Ooh. Uh, no, I'm, I'm going fourth whips. Um, it might be my least favorite out of the three, but I think all three of these movies are solid as I think this is the best superhero movie trilogy ever. Um, mm. I think that Could be. Tobey Maguire's wow. Spider-Man is our generation's Christopher Reeves Superman. So you got to put a little respect on that, that, that first movie, the first outing and give it a four out of five whips before we move though. Uh, another way Sam Raimi is just so crazy. Do you guys remember the scene where we're showing off the Spider-Man reflexes for the first time and he catches all the uh, items on the tray yeah, yeah, yeah. in the lunchroom? That was real. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, that was, that was not oh, yeah. CGI. That, that was not camera tricks. That was Velcro on the things and, and taking a million takes to, to make it work. Wow. Wow. Shout out to so Toby. That just shows you like and Raimi, Raimi for doing is, that. Yeah, a master. That's super iconic, too. That's awesome. I love that. All right, well, that's right, fourth guys. whips out of five, but the next fourth one, whips. I mean. Yeah. Then I say, Normies, let's take a break before we swing on over to the second one. Let's jump in with Spider-Man 2 here just a bit. We're back. We're talking Spider-Man 2 now on our Spider-Man podcast here on Normies Like There's Us. There's no subtitle? We're draining the... It's just no Spider-Man subtitle. 2? Just Spider-Man 2, Mike. That's what I love about this series because we are draining the goblin serum out of my body and attaching four crazy <laughs> limbs. Um, they're talking to me because of the crazy radioactive chip in the back of my head, and I will try to build a small sun in Manhattan, but that's okay. So, the plot of Spider-Man 2, a little crazy for me. I'll just say that up top. Do you, do you guys like all this? It's very science-heavy in a lot of weird ways that you don't see in a lot of blockbusters, too. I want to just get this out of the way. After re-watching these and thinking about the other series, 
this is definitely my favorite Spider-Man movie, bar none. So that's going to color a lot of my opinion. This is my favorite one, period. That's my thesis. Mike, I am right there with you. This is my absolute favorite take on Peter Parker. It is the perfect Spider-Man story. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about this one. I don't think that's too hot and too spicy. Uh, In terms of love and devotion, I would say a lot of people watch this through the lens of it's the greatest superhero movie of all time. So, Jacob, in your rewatch of this, were you sort of critiquing in the back of your mind where people are like, oh, my God, this is the end all. (laughs) Well, I'm not a I'm not a Spider-Man purist. Okay, I don't care. I mean, if it's you know, true to the character from the comic, that's great and everything, but it's just not as important to me. Um, But I do think, obviously, this is the best of this trilogy, for sure, the best movie in this trilogy. Um, Love Doc Ock, love his design. I would say he feels a little tangential to the, like, overall plot of the movie. Less, like, he's less important to this movie than Green Goblin is to the first one, if you think about it. And his connection to Peter Parker isn't as strong. Um, But I love his design when he's in action. Alfred Molina returns to this podcast, Normies. In the Summer of Fun, we talked about his first appearance, basically, in films. When we talked Raiders of the Lost Ark, go back to Indiana Jones. Throw me the tritium. he is starring as a villain in these films. That's a huge jump in transition. What makes him work, Joe? Is he just amazing? He's just a wonderful actor. I mean, it's it's the human element, right? Let's talk Ock. (laughs) Doc Ock is... um, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, he's Spider-Man's greatest villain. Spider-Man's greatest villain is hands down uh, Green Goblin. It's the duality. It's everything. The I would say it's Rent, but okay. <laughs> yes. And that is why I love Spider-Man 2 so much. You know, Jacob, you said he feels tangential to the plot because he is. Because all of Spider-Man's right. villains are. Because Spider-Man's biggest problems are not being Spider-Man. They're being Peter Parker. Um, but like Whoa, you, you, with Doc it. Ock, you get the the element of trying to find a new Uncle Ben, trying to find a new father figure. You need someone to look up to. Who's that going to be? For Harry, it's it's a cash cow. He's trying to live up to his father's legacy with with Doc Ock's project. But for Peter, it's wow. If I didn't have to be Spider Man, I could be doing all the great things that that Octavius is doing. Maybe. Maybe I shouldn't have to do all this. Maybe I could help the world in other ways. I do think um, I agree with you on on some of the things you just said, Joe. But I also have been, from what I heard from other you know sources, Doc Ock has a little more complexity generally his character in the comics, and so this isn't as true to true to the comics as some other aspects of these movies. Is that correct? I mean, I think that's up for debate. Like. In a movie, you're introducing a character in the sequel. You don't have Peter Parker's entire life, so you don't have you know, f- you know, forty issues of buildup. You're not going to see him try to sleep with Aunt May in this movie. That's that's not really a part of this movie. <laughs> he wants that wheat cake recipe, Joe. Right. Um, and like, <laughs> I, I here's I what I, I would say about it: it's the fridging, right? It's the attachment to a wife that gets killed driving everything going forward. That it's yeah. that's not the comics. That's not how it is. And instead, I would argue, very weirdly, this is one of the few characters where I'm like, 
a video game got it better with that PlayStation Spider-Man video game that came out they a while did, ago. They did, yeah. But it doesn't invalidate. That's just doing the character better. What Alfred Molina is doing in this movie is valid because it's just baller. No, I think, yeah, what he's doing works for sure. Here's where I'm at. Alfred Molina in this movie embodies, like Joe was saying, everything that Peter could be if he wasn't Spider-Man. He could be doing the science. He could be creating a new son. He could have a cool wife who's, like, down with his nerdiness, right? Could learn but, poetry, Mike. And then when he, yeah, and then when he loses his his wife, he goes crazy. In in you know, that's he's not using a, a mind is a gift, right? It should not be abused, right? He tells Peter that, and right. his creation gets abused and like causes the problem. So it's a great power, great responsibility. He's not acting responsibly in this, mm, yeah. and that's like exactly. another part of the fable. But what I do like about this movie is what Joe was just saying. Basically, like the first half of this movie is just um, Peter Parker just getting shit on repeatedly, like trying to fit in everything that he's doing, his job, his school, being Spider-Man, being in a relationship with MJ, all this stuff that he can't possibly do all at the same time. And I love that buildup of just him, you know, just going through it. Well, it, it, you know, it, I mean, first of all, this this read of Pizza Time is one of the greatest line reads in the history of cinema. <laughs> pizza yes. Time, but like he can't even deliver pizzas because Spider Man gets he in the stole way that of guy's that, pizzas. You know, yeah. it, it's this movie is it's it's damn near perfect, man. There are so many little moments here where, like, I think you get some of the best Aunt May moments in this movie. I would say I think Aunt May is probably the character that that I like the most consistently throughout all three of the versions. But like when she tries to give him the money and he's like, no, no, no. And she has that breakdown. It's just so human. Everything in this mm-hmm. movie is so human. When him and MJ get in that fight and he's like, I've been reading poetry. And she's like, whatever that means. Okay. Like, <laughs> punch me, I bleed. The, the weird, <laughs> I've talked about it before, the loser nature of him. The desperation that comes off in that moment. There's that, you know, schadenfreude of just uncomfortableness that you can have when you're completely alone by yourself watching people do, like, very sketchy, sad things. That is, it is like watching a train wreck for me. The, your eyes are like this. And he starts tears and just saying the poem very slowly and she just gets up and walks away. Every time, I just, I can't look away. Oh my God, I love it. When he says, I've been reading poetry and she says, whatever that means it's just the perfect like <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah man it's too little too late like like it doesn't it that just felt so real to me i mean there's a moment in that in in that same scene where everything falls apart for him he gets slapped by his best friend the girls go marry someone else he can't even web swing mm-hmm. like I, watching peter gonna marry a stare secret out a window. astronaut joe <laughs> yeah. and this is it, watching him stare out a window and be like am i not supposed to have the things i want is the most I've ever related to a superhero. And if that isn't true for you, you're kidding yourself. And he gets his last $20 stolen by his landlord. Like the, the way that they're <laughs> able, Sam Raimi is able to build a sympathetic hero in this is, is incredible. And I think that's the strength of the second movie. We, we meet the characters and then we just see him lose everything. Like Joe said, his, his girl, his best friend, his job, he's going to lose his rent. He can't even have his powers. So they really set him up, you know, to have this kind of rejection to being Spider-Man. It's really powerful. It's the test Yeah, I of think fate. that build-up is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. And him losing his powers, like, in conjunction with, with just being overworked, basically. Is that, like, he an anxiety thing? Everything. Like, people get sick from too much stress. It's like, he just cannot even be a right. superhero because he can't yeah. juggle everything. It's too but much But again, weight. with the MJ... Mm-hmm. 
My problem again, though, is the whole relationship, the MJ Peter stuff. It's just, uh, I just feel like I'm, you know, I'm watching a real life couple, but it's like I could so easily solve their problems for them, but they can't see their, <laughs> you know, they can't solve their own problems. I'm watching a real life couple, but it's the people in high school that I didn't really care about as it was. It's like, oh, and you're right. st- like, I still have to watch you guys fucking squabble. But like the first, their first interaction in this movie when um, they're at their old houses, and I just find you know MJ so like manipulative in this scene because she's like, obviously she wants to be with Peter. Peter's like, no, like we said, like at the end of the last movie, we just want to be friends. I got to be Spider Man. Blah blah. He, he she doesn't know Spider Man. the funeral, but- Jacob. Yeah. And then she's like, well, just kiss me. Come on, just kiss me. And then she's like, oh, I don't want to. And then he's like, well, guess what? I'm getting married anyway, so whatever. It's just like, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> that drives me nuts, man. I can't, I've I had know. that relationship. I love it. It fucking made sense to me, man. <laughs> I think, I think we're, I, I want to I look at the opposite side of that because all she wants is for Peter to fucking step up and like take right, agency but she's already, in his own life, right? She's already told this guy, other guy that she's going to marry him. So why is she even doing it? Like, that's, no, first of all, that think about the other guy. After. Well, she doesn't. She doesn't really care about the other guy, and also the other guy becomes a werewolf with moon powers. So who cares? <laughs> and brings us venom, but not in this universe. But in, right. in the cartoon, he does. Uh, uh, did you guys know that? I guess I shouldn't throw that out no. so so haphazardly. Yeah, in the comics, J. Um, Jonah Jameson's son. Yeah, is a, a, a say a famed astronaut like he is in the movie, but he also finds like I think it's a gem on the moon, an amulet that gets stuck in his throat. <laughs> oh okay yeah uh, and he becomes a werewolf that's great well i just think he gets a he, he you know he gets a bad rap in this movie because like and then in the other scene when she's like here let me just kiss you upside down see if that like brings out anything in me and he's like what why are we kissing upside down like i just feel bad for that guy i guess you're not no so, mtv yeah, movie okay. award for him <laughs> I, I love how you're like, well, I feel bad for the other guy. And it's like, well, the I story's not maybe about the other guy, man. Maybe Peter in this movie doesn't deserve to be with MJ because he's making all the wrong choices in life. Well, at first he doesn't. That's why he doesn't get her early on. And she's going to marry someone else because he doesn't make the right choices and he doesn't act with courage and, you know, whatever. And that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, I mean, this movie is about stepping up, taking responsibility. The first one is about understanding responsibility. The second one is about owning it. And what that really means, because it's it's to a point where he's like, man, fuck Spider-Man. He, like, blames the Spider-Man for all of his problems. Like, it takes all my time away. I can't be with people I love because it puts them in danger. And then he abandons it, thinking, I just want to be selfish. I want to be fucking selfish and fuck Spider-Man and being a hero, right? It's Spider-Man no more, which is, again, one He's of the kinda greatest has a point, two-issue though. arc. Like, if you, if you like these movies, you got to check out the comics. And the image of the suit in the trash can is another iconic frame that so Raimi iconic. painted for us in this. Yeah. But, John, Mike, I John agree with Ramita what you're saying, take. but... I agree with what you're saying, but I feel like maybe, you know... Execution's sh- not there? He doesn't... Like, he's not... Like, yeah. okay, so no one knows he's Spider-Man, right? But everyone is shitting on him, thinking he's like a, like a huge piece of shit because he keeps being late for stuff because mm-hmm. he's like saving people. He's unreliable. So, you know, I don't think he's really in the wrong to say fuck Spider-Man and just leave it all together. Like, he doesn't owe anyone anything. That's the thing about like superheroes is like, 
They, you know, they, they don't, don't have to do owe what anyone do. It, of course. But the point is, <laughs> you don't do owe anyone anything. Don't fucking owe anybody Marfa because it's the right CBS thing to over do. here. Talking uh, to Superman, you don't owe them a goddamn yeah. thing. <laughs> oh, okay, you fucking like, Zack Snyder. Maybe Zack Snyder was right. Okay, <laughs> look, if you don't think Spider-Man murders people, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> listening to Jacob talk uh, about these movies is like listening to someone like read the comic for the first time. He's like, but. Everything's so hard for Peter Parker, and it shouldn't have to be. That doesn't really seem it is, fair. But, and it's like no, but Jacob, his problems could fair. be solved because, okay, so people are mad at him because they just think he's lazy and stuff. But he's not actually lazy. He's just out there being Spider-Man, saving people. He mm-hmm. is skipping Doctor Connor's classes at college, <laughs> and he is not taking it seriously. But then everyone around him acts like he's like a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. It's like he's saving people. What, but, do you, what, what do you want from him? <laughs> right, so you understand oh his God, frustration and why it. he wants. It sounds like yeah. you understand him. But at that point, if I were him, I would say, "Fuck this! I'm not getting any appreciation for what I'm doing." Well, that's what he does Spider-Man. in the movie. Yeah. I know, but I wouldn't go back. Okay, <laughs> this I would, is, this would is toss that suit in the trash can, <laughs> throw it away, never to be seen video again. Games. Yeah. yeah, um, trash can suit, guys. Yeah. This suit, we have not mentioned it yet. The physical ridges, the actual True, yeah. look of it, the sort of big bulkiness, the reflected glasses, Vignette eyes, best on the, in the little bit, best ever out of Spider-Man adaptations. Could be, could That's be. Tough. No, I, I honestly, um, it's probably my least favorite live-action Spider-Man suit. it's serviceable, really? um, but like it's I don't know. the first. It's pioneering. Like, yeah. I think well, they get better Joe, at it. Crazy about it. I mean, Joe, I, I mentioned the, the video game that everybody, you know, is obsessed with at PlayStation 1. You remember the DLC oh, outcry, the uh, we're yeah. going to get the Raimi suit, right? Yeah, people were so mad. Well, because people just wanted to put on that suit and pretend it was Spider-Man 4. Um, no, I mean, like, I, <laughs> it's fine. It's serviceable. Like, the best Spider-Man suit is, is Amazing Spider-Man 2. So, I don't... We'll I talk next week. I'll see you next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they get it better in other iterations. Anyone else have a thought on this? You guys like this one? Jacob, Colin? Oh, I just wanted to mention, um, oh, not about the suit, but about Doc Ock. Sorry. About um, the suit Doc first. <laughs> yeah. I got nothing to say about the suit, Colin? but I like it. I, I like it. I got nothing. Jump on Doc Ock. You were talking about his look before. Fucking oh yeah! You know, I know we keep it saying comic great. accurate, but fucking comic accurate, guys. He's wearing the goggles. He's got the tentacles. I love the look of Doc Ock in this movie. The Give tentacles, the CG looks great, holds up super well in the fight scenes. Um, and the fight scenes are really good in this. Oh, so, the train scene. I mean, everything in this is so yeah. Let's well done, talk. I really think Ock and some of the action. I think they definitely nail it. Yeah. Oh, practical and, puppetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that was. That's all puppetry or some a lot of it. There some are of it. some shots of practical puppetry. Wow, okay. Jacob, that's I why think it looks the so scene good that you're going to want to talk about is uh, is had a lot of puppet work in it. You had mentioned earlier there was a, a Evil Dead scene. I think I yes. knew one you were going to talk about. You want to bring it up? Sam yes. Raimi's fingies. I think we all go. know. Joe, um, please. The, f- the scene, oh, no, of, yeah, him in the hospital um, when he you know is getting operated on in the hospital. He breaks out, kills all those doctors. That's so Evil Dead. Just the just everything about that scene just feels very Evil Dead. Well, you get the 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 camera on the two by four going over the table as the POV of the tentacle. Like that's the classic Sam. Yeah, like, chainsaw. Yeah, that's yeah, you my get the favorite. hand close up on the chainsaw going down. It is perfect. 
And for yeah. a PG thirteen movie, you know, pretty he pretty graphic. in a horror scene. It was yeah. pretty. She's her fingernails are peeling off the tiling. It's incredible. Back to first oh, time yeah. watching it reactions. I'm not positive I understood the whole there in his mind aspect of it. So I do appreciate that a lot more. But even now, when I watch it and remember it, I'm like, oh yeah. And then they're like revealed to be the real bad guys at the end, and that never really happens. But you know. That's true. I, I think it is weird-ish that it's like, I designed them only to work on this fusion reactor, and I have this inhibitor chip, and then when it gets blown <laughs> up, they still just want to finish the reactor. Yeah, all they, right. not, like, the reactor. they don't want to take over the world, they just want to finish the experiment. <laughs> he just wants to finish cost. his experiment, yeah. yeah. My I foot got it, cut off, Mike, but it was replaced by one of those um, uh, mechanical vacuum cleaners, and all it wants me to do is walk <laughs> in <laughs> circles. Yeah. I don't oh, want to rob a bank or hang an old lady up from a building as long as I finish cleaning. Yeah, it's crazy. But I like it, you know. That didn't lead with me as a kid, though. Yeah, I think his motivation is kind of confusing because it's like, oh, he just wants to finish the experiment, but he's willing to just murder people. Well, I just think that, that means that Rosie's death wasn't for nothing. Like, if he can yeah. create infinite power, right, Rose. then it was right. worth it. It's the only way. We're, we're mentioning a lot about one villain. Do we talk about the other? I would say Harry Osborn. I mean... Mm-hmm. You guys have said, you know, it's it's sort of his Godfather trilogy, what Sam Raimi's doing. It's the rise and fall of Harry. We're getting the rise and the start of the fall right here. Is he pretty good in this? Well, what do we think of James Franco again? I think, I think this he's is the only... best Franco. Oh, I was going to say, I only like him in the third one. This one, he's okay. First one, he's like, like sleepwalking. He has amnesia. <laughs> when he's chewing scenery, yeah. <laughs> Boop. Yeah, well, he's like sleepwalking through the first one. This this one, he's okay, I think. And the third one, he's just like insane. So I like that. No, I, see, I like this one because it's he's trying to step out on his own. He's trying to honor his father's legacy, but also like he's got that trauma, man. Like, and he's a mean drunk. And like when you see that that switch flip in him at the uh, the party, I think that's probably you know. James Franco's best performance in the whole thing is is that that one moment where like he flips and he's like, no, I'm fucking mad about it again. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. And he's just down in the champagne. He's getting pissed and he's drinking. He starts to see the flashbacks of his dad. And it is Harry who puts Doc Ock on a direct collision course with Spider-Man. He's the one who says, you want the tritium, the precious tritium? Um, you know, you got to kill Spider-Man or bring him here, right? So it, it, he is the agent that kind of puts, like we said, Doc Ock is kind of off to the side. He's the one who puts him right on that course to go after Spider-Man. Yeah, really, a lot of Peter's problems through the th- second and third movie are just based on Harry thinking that he killed his dad and wanting to get revenge. That fucking <laughs> butler, we'll get there. I mean, that's a lot of Bernard. Like, his... <laughs> that's a lot of his problems Bernard. in the comics. Like, it, it is like this this yeah. era of, of Harry being goblin too is this kind of i know post-cred scenes existed before but not really in the context that they do now is the raimi verse kind of the first time we see that i mean you know there's the tease at the end of spider-man 2 where harry knows his dad is goblin and then when we open up three we're just picking right up on that knowledge true it's true that that tease, and I remember weird. being kind of stoked, like, "Ooh, are we going to get Hobgoblin?" It's Green Goblin too later, but that's a, a little bit of three talk. But that teaser, yeah, and like laying the foundation, and even laying the foundation, which again, not to get too far ahead of Jonah's son coming from space, it's like, ah, yes, yeah, symbiote. They don't do that, but we'll get to that later. 
But there are Mike. I remember being a lot of hobgoblin talk in the seats oh, yeah. around me with the after seeing kids it, being yeah. like, "Oh, okay, I know where this is going." I remember everyone thinking that um, the milk girl, cookie girl, apartment girl was going to somehow end up being Felicia Harding. I mean, I remember like this was ah. before there was scoops all the time on upcoming movies. I remember just being like in Wizard Magazine, reading all of the, like everyone's fan cast for the next movies. And I mean, this was the birth of the hype, right? This is when people really started to get into where Spider-Man and superhero movies in general were going. Yeah, it's like we said, Rebecca, the history of the blockbuster is what we're exploring, and this is just another monument. I'll back it. up a little to James Franco just to kind of get my opinion on the mm-hmm. man, I guess, outside of these films. It's interesting, and I guess I'll say trigger warning. Um, I never know where he stands. He's somebody who I think gets canceled once a year, and then I'm never sure if he is. But I'm also from that generation that was like people were trying to convince me he was a genius when he was taking all those Harvard classes and double majors yeah, and triple majors. I remember that. He's actually so smart and so interesting. So I remember, he, yeah, I'm, he was in like – five schools at once for different things but then there's also people saying like oh you know he like uh, sleeps through most of those classes and stuff and buddy also sleeps with a lot of the students like i remember that right, even right. starting then and just he's always somebody who i guess has just been interesting i wasn't an early freaks and geeks guy i didn't watch that when that was running you know he, he kind of wasn't anything to me other than harry osborne so i don't know kind of kind of a weird sitch his career is interesting because he goes from like being cast as like this heartthrob role in his early career and being kind of bad in a lot of roles to wanting to branch out and do weird stuff. Pineapple Express, I remember, is probably the first thing where I was like, oh, James Franco can be stuff like other than like a stereotypical leading man. Um, And then he was Riff Raff. (laughs) Yeah. And then he, yeah, he tried to do a bunch of different independent stuff. You know, James Franco's directed like 30 movies. If you look at his IMDb credit, he has a all lot of like, people only know the room one that he did, but he's done like yeah, a bunch that no one's seen. A lot of William Faulkner yeah. adaptations, Jacob. I find that yeah. fascinating too. I, I don't know the guy. But that's is... kind of where some I'm of the sure trouble he's a came back. Yeah, because yeah, like, he he's like auditioning be. actresses for his <laughs> movies. And, like, <laughs> and then saying so, things like, knows, well, but... actually, I'm getting into character because the person I'm playing is sort of sketchy. And you go, ooh, that's an interesting defense you're using. But. <laughs> Maybe my the method favorite is not moment, a defense. <laughs> it's definitely not. But maybe my favorite moment in movie history is in This is the End, that comedy film, where he is just so earnest about being in these Spider-Man films and so happy that he still has the cardboard cutout of the new goblin in the basement. I just go like, it's just so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, remember, he was writing make plays fun of in high school, so. Yeah. True. Yeah, he was uh, he was Oz the Great and Powerful. You forget that too. He's had that <laughs> Sam Raimi connection for like a little minute too. You forget that he directed right. that film. Yeah, what I don't well, know, from guys. from interviews I read of him, like the reason he wanted to do all these go to all these schools and everything and direct all these movies is because for like the beginning of his career, he felt like he kind of slacked off and was just doing these movies that you know no one was really watching and stuff other than Spider Man because he was in some other ones where he's like the leading man that he was never really that good. And then he's like, boys. <laughs> yeah and then he's like i want to be an artiste you know i want to do i want to direct independent movies so he went off and did all that stuff but i don't know i don't i don't know he's, but next he's James to, Franco. well next to his leading man jacob it's like 
Toby's not in our life anymore. Toby Maguire doesn't star in movies anymore. So it's just so interesting sure, to see yeah. this cast. It's like Kirsten Dunst does a lot of this TV. This is like their peak. Yeah, it what Mike. It truly was. It's interesting to see people who were not even just teen idols. I would say people who were molded to be idols for us through a lot of our life, but they've just they're gone. What, how do we fill that hole in our life? Well, well we Toby Maguire again. I just don't really like his acting. So I would, I'm not a big I'm worried like, that well, he's going to really start going him, balding so. in these movies. Every time he's around the kids, I'm like, that's a narc. Like, you guys just got to call him out. <laughs> he doesn't go to college with you. That's a narc. No. Maybe it'll be good to kind of, yeah, talk about each actor. Maybe we can do Kirsten Dunst in the third movie. But, you know, the James Franco thing, this is the best he is in this trilogy, in my opinion. And, you know, happy to pay the bills, Otto. Like, I don't know what yeah. I'm doing, but I'm a CEO now. Like, yeah, I'm I like the hand I agree with Jacob on that. He's also pretty yeah. cheesy in three, but I think he d- demonstrates the most range uh, here. But even in this, I think he has some bad line readings. Like when he, after the whole experiment goes wrong, he comes out and he's just like, oh, I'm financially ruined. The only thing I have left is Spider-Man. It's just such like, I don't know, to me, it's just a really Anytime bad Anytime he has reading. the knife Back in his hand, formula. he's about to do a bad <laughs> soliloquy. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Uh, that's yeah. a perfect Franco. <laughs> no one saw that, but yeah. Joe just nailed it. I mean, I remember like again. This was the the prototype video game. Let's talk Spider-Man Two on the mm. PlayStation Ooh. Two is the best video game ever made. Maybe I mean that was my Grand Theft Auto Three. Essentially, every Spider-Man game after that was just a reskin of that game. Um, mm-hmm. I remember watching the trailers on fucking AOL over and over and over again and like listening to Vindicated from Dashboard Confessional and oh watching that music video over and over again. I was so excited Hell for this yeah. movie. Um, it stands the test of time to me, man. This is one of my all-time favorites. Vindicated, multi-week number one spot holder on TRL. <laughs> Done for Doug, a multi-day. I don't know. This, I love this that whole, dashboard. This whole soundtrack slaps. I mean, it had Jet before Jet really blew up. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it had a bunch of really, really great. Honestly, like, yeah, the first one has Nickelback, but like it was also yeah, Nickelback Chad Kroger, in like Nickelback, a, weird, a weird super band. But every single one of these albums is actually pretty good. And I still listen to uh, Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3 all the time. Nice, nice. Well, before we kind of give the thwips out of five, any last highlights, favorite moments? I think definitely the train scene and that whole battle on the clock tower is awesome and still holds up. Aunt May smashes him with an umbrella and then everybody kind of Christ-like carrying Spider-Man and the kids give him the mask back. That is probably the best Spider-Man action scene ever. Two cameos, Mike. Phil Lamar, uh, you know, talented voice actor, mad TV superstar from back in the day, plays the guy. He's just a kid. I mean, that moment. You could say mm-hmm. that. You could say that. Well, you could say that in our fucking current He's just world, a 28-year-old you know? man. Well, no, he's just a son. kid. But you know what I mean? Like, with the way the world's going right yeah. now, seeing crowds of people coming together like that, it is pretty powerful. And then Joel mm-hmm. McHale in the bank yes. scene as the bank manager <laughs> got him right. shout that cameo out you know we're community uh, boys what about hal sparks i mean come on hal hal, that's sparks. a great scene too <laughs> well that ties into one thing i did want to mention throughout all three of these movies i think sam raimi is great at casting small roles and extras like in all three of these movies there's just great extras all over the place you know I one line more than that on eBay. Like, even that guy yeah. Like when he's on the train, the old guy's like, 
oh, you got any other ideas? He's like, yeah, I got a few. That guy is fucking great, Jacob. <laughs> um, hold on. If we're talking cameos and casting, let's rate our Bruce, too. So, Snooty right. Usher. Oh, yes. Joe, fix that tie for me real quick before you come in. Yeah. Okay, looking She's... great, looking straight. Now, how can I help you? <laughs> I mean, is um, that... that it, I know we're going to talk about the waiter, Snooty Waiter, but Snooty yeah. Usher. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost too good. Sn- I like how he just Usher's points out great. the sign. It's it's probably my least favorite though, to be honest. Because wow, well, I, I mean, the first one is is naming the character fits in there so smooth. This one felt like he was like, yeah, and here's Bruce, here's Bruce, and then the third one is, you know, we'll talk about it when we get there. But it's like this one and that one are almost interchangeable. But by the time he gets to the third one, he's like, fuck it, go all out, and like, yeah, if it's gonna be like that, you might as well go all out. He's too mean in yeah. this one. You feel for that situation. You've been late for a play before. I fucking yeah. Just let him in for a play because my moped will <laughs> be start. quiet. Because my moped will start. <laughs> that that yeah. did happen to me because Asif Mavi just fired you. <laughs> so you yeah. really relate to it, yeah? Yeah. Like, come on, just uh, let him in, Bruce Campbell. Don't be like a fucking yeah. button pusher, you know? We're society rules. It's what separates us from the animals. If we just start letting in one kid late with a ticket, we got to let everybody Thank in you, late, Mike. you know? Yeah, I, this is my favorite one because it is the most comedic. But he is a huge asshole to, to Spider-Man. This is here. my it's favorite. Like, I love he's a jerk. He uh, loses no, everything, I, Spider-Man, and all he's got is that he's going to go to the play because he's finally going to go to the play. Yeah. And then even then, he can't do it. And he gets there and they think he's going to get in. No, fuck you, Spider-Man. I mean, every like, like Mike, you ask what are your, what are your favorite moments of this movie? This whole movie is my favorite moment. You know what I mean? Like. Every every scene of it is like so classic to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. This is this is definitely my favorite one. Any other last notes? I'm, I'm ready to give out thwips, but I don't want to do it too do prematurely. It. Go for it. Mary Jane wouldn't like it, that. Baby. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna thwip it. I'm gonna give it five thwips out of five. It's my favorite Spider-Man of all Spider-Mans, and maybe maybe it is the best superhero movie. It could definitely. It's in that argument. It. Uh, it has a great build of a sympathetic protagonist. It has an interesting villain who has pathos and motivation. Uh, not quite as good as Goblin, but I'd like prefer the character. And the action scenes hold up. And uh, the payoff at the end, it's just a feel-good movie at the end. You get the runaway bride. It's great. It's great. Makes you feel good to watch it. It's fun. Five to whips. Um, yep. I'll say, uh, for me, 4.5 thwips. Sorry, I didn't hear no, that. No, no, no. Um, yeah, 4.5 thwips out of 5. Um, almost perfect, but um, I think, you know, the relationship stuff kind of annoys me. Um, and while I like Doc Ock, I just think he's not, like you said, not as important to Peter as Green Goblin. But overall, I like the character and I like the action scenes. So 4.5 out of 5. I mean, I can't go lower than 5. I was thinking about 4.5. This is one of those things where you ask yourself, why does Kevin Feige say that they'll never touch Doc Ock again because of this movie? You know, you are saying there's the disconnect, Jacob. I, I kind of never thought about that before. He's he's in the background, but he's still... I mean, Mike said he has pathos. He has ethos. I mean, he has a full mm. fucking story that just cycles out in this thing, even being in the background. I think it's just so well written for every character. I got to give it the full five. Five out of five, no questions asked. 16 years ago, they perfected the superhero movie with Spider-Man 2. That movie is comfort food to me. Uh, I tear up, I cheer. It's got everything I'd ever want in a Spider-Man movie. 
There you go. Hell I'd say yeah. even a superhero movie, you know, establishing that a um, Danny Elfman score with Batman has to be part of it. Guess what, guys? He did the Spider-Man <laughs> yeah. trilogy, too. You got like, that, this too. Music's fucking slapping throughout. It's got all the highlights all superhero movies should have. Oh, and Dashboard right, Confessional. Said, and Dashboard. Mm, truly vindicated. Let's see if we get right. vindicated once more with the yeah, third no, movie of the Spider-Man. Let's take this break, then. Let's, let's get vindicated. Let's be strong. I swear I'm right. I know I'm right. That's right. I knew it all along. <laughs> now that I am vindicated, I am selfish, I am wrong, I am right, I swear I'm right, swear I knew it all along, and I am flawed, but I am cleaning up so well, I am seeing in me now the things you swore you saw yourself. We're back, Webhebs, welcome to the third part of our Spider-Man trilogy. We're talking Spider-Man 3, the much maligned film. Um, maybe isn't as maligned as it should be. So let's let's give it some or praise Maybe it's too maligned. Maybe it's too maligned. Uh, I'll ask this just because it was sort of the question on my mind thinking about this movie. Is there another film you ever experienced where you knew the moment it was over? You knew there wasn't going to be another one beyond this? People make fun of Vin Diesel movies now. If you go to any of them that's not a Fast and the Furious and you say like, oh, I just know there's not going to be another Witch Hunter. Oh my God, Bloodshot 2, could you even imagine? You laugh. That motherfucker makes it happen still. There's still a twinkle of hell. <laughs> he does. He finds or a way. Or hope or, you know, he, life finds a way, Joe. But with Spider-Man 3, when that dance started, I knew it was over. I knew we were never going to see Tobey Maguire again as Spider-Man. I knew that wow. this franchise, I knew Sam Raimi might never do a superhero movie again. Did you feel that way? I mean, there's a moment at in the final fight where they cut to the TV and the reporter says, this is the end of Spider-Man. And it's like, oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it was the moment I saw the casting for Eddie Brock. I didn't even have to see uh, the movie. Oh. I knew it was over when Topher Grace was. I'm going to defend Eddie Brock here. Then, yeah. Look, I think wow. Topher does it great. I think uh, who's going to be the perfect foil to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man? He's going to be the same type of build, but he's going to exactly. be uber confident. He's going to be fresh shmarmy. off of In Good Company. You're going <laughs> to yeah. get Tobey Maguire, burgeoning uh, film star, <laughs> trying to transition out of that '70s show. Uh, Again, no, he's the, like smarmy. He cuts corners. I, I, I like that. Eddie Brock, I love it, Joe. Honest. But there's I like him as a, some periodness well. that I feel too, where I, I'm seeing TV people. It might be the first time I really felt like, oh, they're really trying to make that guy into a star, like they'd already made the people I was watching, Kirsten Dunst and Tobey Maguire too. I don't know. Here's the thing. I, I get what you're saying. He's a similar, and maybe we'll just mention the villains of this since I kind of jumped the gun here. But um, I like my Eddie Brock bench pressing while he complains about <laughs> Spider Man. You that's know, fair. like that's a that's I hate definitely Peter fair. Parker. You know, and, well, and that works yeah, as a foil that. too, in a way, because you know you do have like the the unassuming Parker and the imposing Brock. Um, so I, I could definitely feel missing that, but. There are other takes of Venom that this one rings true to. Like the Ultimate Universe okay. Venom is kind of uh, the the Brock is more like this Brock, where he's like a little, little bit older, a little bit cooler, and like you know that that rubs Peter the wrong way. 
Yeah, for me, I also like Topher Grace in this movie as Eddie Brock before he comes Venom. Not so much as Venom. Um, for his cameo is Venom. <laughs> yeah, they never call him as, Venom. Right as a rival to to Peter, as a you know rival photographer, mm. I, I just kind of love his personality and like the little quips he makes at Peter and stuff. I, I like it. I, it you know, I think it's good casting in that sense. Um, but I also want to sit, mention what Colin was asking. Um, for me, when I saw this in theaters, I actually mm-hmm. liked this movie. And I didn't, you know, I never th- had a moment where I was like, oh, they're not going to make another one. Even in the most outrageous moments, I, j- I enjoyed it. Um, I, so I saw this movie at midnight. Right. This was like the first um, drove myself, went with one other buddy. I brought my Spider-Man Monopoly so we could play it while we waited in line for the theater oh, to hilarious. open. Like I remember leaving nice. slightly disappointed, but not destroyed. Like I think it does get a worse rap than it deserves. And I think it's like, you know, we, we brought up the, the villains right away. This is probably the one where the villains matter the absolute least to me. Like the, the whole yeah. drama mm-hmm. is, is Peter's story. I would say the main villain of this is Harry Osborn in terms of his relationship to Peter. And I think the biggest problem with this movie obviously is the, the three villains. If they, if this movie would have just been uh, Goblin and Sandman or Goblin and Venom, I think it would have worked better. But cramming, I think cramming Venom in is what hurt it the most. But then also, if you take Venom out, you wouldn't get the whole black suit Spider-Man thing. So I don't know. No, I don't you know still would have. You still would have. Like that was. So this is this is totally Spider-Man's real greatest nemesis, Ari Arvid's doing. Like they. <laughs> He wanted to do the black suit. He wanted to introduce that element and then and then put off Venom. They insisted. Oh yeah, Venom's got to be in it. So that's what they should yeah. have done: is put off Venom for the fourth one. That would have worked so much better. And then you could have had, actually had Venom in the whole movie and have him be a bigger character and yeah, set up Eddie Brock feature. in this one. But don't pay it off as Venom until the well, next. Well, hopefully though, whoever's making these movies learns the lesson and doesn't shoehorn in too many villains in a future endeavor. Uh, we'll find out. But you know, <laughs> as we're talking, you know, the villains of this movie, uh, for Venom, it's a very weak representation. And I haven't seen the Tom Hardy movie, but I will for the next episode. But I only had that one comic book, which was, you know, the Carnage arc with Venom. And so that specific version was burning my brain, thus explaining my disappointment. But you said the main villain is New Goblin, but there's a large part of this movie that he's not even, he just has amnesia yes. and is like my the best dumbest friends. plot <laughs> turn of all right. time. Someone hitting their head and losing their memory of the first two movies. It's a soap stupid. opera. <laughs> it's a soap opera. Yeah. That's a soap opera plot. Mm. I would say the biggest villain of this movie is Spider-Man, is Peter Parker. The, the first one is about... Yeah learning responsibility the second one's about owning it the third one is about what happens when you forget what that means hmm well you dance on top of a piano because <laughs> um, yeah, the yeah. 70s symbiote told you to let's let's spell that out though we we hinted it a little bit so avi arid producer of this series came to sam raimi and said your plan for the third film i don't like it david cope screenwriter who we talked about kingdom of the crystal skull obviously this guy's great did the other Spider-Man <laughs> films, though. Um, they tossed out his stuff. You know, they they said, sorry, Sam Raimi, New Goblin isn't interesting enough to do the whole film. That is where the amnesia came in, because Sam mm. Raimi said, "I." but the impetus of the whole film is he has to have a thrust of action. If you're telling me to delay it, 
how do I delay it? Well, you wipe out his memories, and he says, "This pie is so good." <laughs> so uh, good. It's just a snowboard. So How good. is he not interesting enough? <laughs> He's a Mike. He's extreme. Seeing extreme his goblin. tools. Knowing, I mean, I knew from the comic books when those kids next to me said hobgoblin, I knew he wasn't going to. I knew that Harry's legacy was taking on what Norman does, and seeing him in the mm-hmm. mirrors, and losing his mind, and doing all that stuff, and that his whole quest would be ruin Peter's life. Now, why you don't take that falseness and apply it to the film? Because he could just be double-faced the entire time. You didn't go to MJ's play? That's crazy. I sent all these roses and stuff. And it doesn't have to just be a schoolboy discovering a girl for the first time, which is what it sort (laughs) of seems like. Instead, it could be masterful manipulation. 100% Colin. Yeah. It's just like this weird added element that's just like, uh, can you no, even cook friends. anything here? Oh, well, let's see if I can. I mean, there is <laughs> there, there is a way to watch this movie now, and it's not riff Too much dancing. You just do it yourself. You just, Mike, you just have a good time while you're watching it. I, I might this go is, above five. This might be a 5.5. Oh, no. <laughs> this is what I want to say is that my hot take is that two might be the best movie, obviously. This is the one that is the most fun to watch, I think. And this might be the the funniest movie of all time. Like, both unintentional and intentional comedy. This movie is fucking hilarious. Now, you say that buttoned up in all black right now, Jacob. Your hair is swept to the side. And again, Uh, I... I, Well, that's the thing I want to mention. I don't like Tobey Maguire through most of these movies, but his best acting, I think, is when he's dark... Is when he's a Spider-Man nerd. (laughs) When he's dark Peter Parker. I'll take the staff job. Double the money. (laughs) Yeah. nuts? Because everything he's doing is like a weird nerd's <laughs> version of what he thinks would be cool. And that's what's yeah, so but, funny about it. And is that he's Jacobs, doing exactly what Peter Parker would do under that in that situation. Specifically, that is through the lens of Sam Raimi saying, what would a loser think is cool? But yeah. the, co- the cultural touchstone also Become of an what emo was. You know, emo... Mm-hmm. It, it's not in any other films. It is in this film in a way that just has not... It's just, it's, um, it's, it would be like if he just, if he turned into a metalhead out of nowhere, if it was an 80s <laughs> yeah. movie. Like the, the weird panic that you just feel old people making these movies. You feel old people making these movies for the first time, I think. Sure. But it's yeah. like, you know, he turns emo, but he's not really like emo. He's just like, he's into jazz apparently. So he's like a yeah, jazz dog. emo guy. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's more emo than a music that has no structure. <laughs> <laughs> It's so anti-establishment. Yeah, but everything he does as, you know, emo Peter Parker is hilarious to me. And when he's walking down the street, I think it's so funny how they shot this film because it's like, you know, all these girls, all these women are looking at him. But like half of them are like looking at him with this like weird, like, what the fuck is he doing face? But then the other half are like, oh, I'm into this guy. So like... I don't know. It's just very strange. Very strange part of the movie, obviously. Uh, Jacob, um, <laughs> can we talk about the stranger part? Will you explain to me what MJ's Broadway show is about and how she got on Broadway where the biggest review and criticism they do the next day is that they couldn't hear her. She doesn't know how to project. <laughs> She's on and, Broadway. Yeah, she made it to Broadway, and then after like one performance and a bunch of bad reviews, she gets kicked off, and then she's, yeah. she's not on Broadway anymore. Well, this is you have so what she does. You have MJ getting the uh, the Peter treatment, right? Like everything's falling apart. Right. Her her boyfriend just kissed 
uh, this other girl in front of the entire city, and she's dating that a celebrity, but suck. she was supposed to be that, a celebrity. I, that's what I'm saying. They're both because kind it's of the pieces of shit. Spider-Man. <laughs> like this, this movie really is the like you you let it go to your head, man. Like you didn't stay humble. You didn't treat it as a responsibility. You lost sight and you made it, you know, uh, too personal in a way. Well, also I don't want to defend him kissing another girl, but also she's an actress. So she understands like in movies and stuff, sometimes you have to kiss someone as part of the part. He's playing the part of Spider-Man and that's what the audience wants to see. But that's so I'm not trying to defend him, but that's how it's it like, not in 2020. They don't take him. <laughs> she she literally says that, though. Who was kissing her? Was it Peter or was it Spider-Man? And he doesn't have an answer right. because he's starting to lose that blend. I mean, this, you know, right. like mm-hmm. this has, in my opinion, the the best Stanley cameo of all time where it's right in the beginning. And uh, he's looking up at watching footage of Spider-Man and then Stanley or uh, Stanley walks up and says, wow, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. It's yeah. like, oh, man, that's uh, that's the crux of Spider-Man, and, and you get it right from the horse's mouth. Yep. There you go. Excuse me. Do, do I know you, sir? <laughs> but you're, you're absolutely right. That it comes to this. your hand this in my like, pocket. Yeah, Peter's like a big dork in the first one. He finally gets to be with the girl of his dreams in the second one because obviously he narrates that to us, so we are brought up to speed at the beginning of this movie. But um, by this one, then it's like, okay, the girl loves him for who he is. And then he kind of takes advantage of that to where like he's now self-absorbed and just taking her for granted to where it's like, oh, I didn't get my play thing well. And he's like, that reminds me of something that happens to me. He always kind of turns it around about him. But also, you know, I don't know. I feel like she's kind of being unreasonable because it's like he is listening or he's relating her problems to his problems in a way to like identify with her. And she's like getting jealous of Spider-Man's popularity, which is a thing you shouldn't do in a relationship is like get, get jealous of your partner's success. Even when you're not as successful at that point, you guys should you're be right. supporting each other. You, you should never experience jealousy as a human. It is a bad emotion. <laughs> well, she uh, gets triggered by the word Spider-Man. It's like, oh, OK, yeah. <laughs> we're probably going to say that a couple times in our life. Yeah. I, I don't know. You guys are giving her a real hard time, I think. I think I, give I don't. Her a pass I'm here, sorry. Like, Sorry, MJ. I don't mean to give you a hard time, but I am not in love with this MJ. I'm in love with Kirsten Dunst now. I I love uh, yeah. what she has become. Um, but uh, but in the I, second movie, she said, you know, he the whole reason he couldn't be with her is because he's you know too busy being Spider Man. He can't focus. He can't have a relationship. Blah blah blah. Then at the end, she's like, okay, well, now that I know you're Spider Man, we can make this work, obviously. And then at the beginning of this movie, they obviously they can't make it work. Um, I don't know. It's yeah, a it's rocky. Know, like <laughs> there's drama. Yeah, I just the relationship <laughs> drama to me is the worst part of all three of these movies, I guess. That's so funny. I'm to still me. thinking the biggest problem is yeah, the studio shoehorning in Venom because then we don't have a clear villain identity because we start out with New Goblin, he's gone. Then he gets Sandman, which Kane Marco, like it's pretty cool. He's like a T one thousand made of sand. I don't know why that guy was never a Terminator. Because yeah. he has got a fucking look. Oh, That's Thomas true. Hayden Church. I like Thomas Hayden Church, yeah. Mike. This gets a little into what we talked about in our Terminator episode, Remake Syndrome, where why am I seeing Uncle Ben get killed again? Why am I learning it's different from a different point of view? The stakes are We get this, the retcon, the which that. I don't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah the retcon. The problem with that is like, an, like Peter's been feeling guilty for two movies about Uncle Ben's death, but now you're telling me 
he never should have been guilty at all because actually it wasn't that guy that killed him. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they were yeah, working together. Yeah, I mean, my biggest problem right, is Right, but Peter's not stopping away. the guy. No, go ahead, Joe. It just, it just kind of takes away from the character, and it also just feels like a way to, like, shoehorn him into being more important, and we learned in the last movie that he doesn't need to be more important. Yeah, and it, like, really kind of shits on the first two movies that we became invested in by being like, eh, actually, the story went like this. Right. And again, I mentioned getting to that butler... Where it's like your father's glide. The guy couldn't even say the line so right. Now. This like, guy, I have loved his- you yeah. as I loved your father. So, Mike, what did you? Sam Raimi owe this guy? This guy was part of the mob. You would have to assume, Mike, and he Must had be. Sam Raimi's son. With what are you talking about? Call his temple. Everyone's favorite character, Bernard, who was thinking one scene in the second one. You were my father's yeah. most trusted advisory. When I look at you, sir. <laughs> Why oh, do we no. get, fall off the horse, Master Wayne? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to get pierced by your own glider. Uh, I've loved you, you as so, I've so loved your father. He could have told Harry that in the second movie, and he wouldn't have wanted to kill Peter. Like, <laughs> what he could have said that any point. Goblin. Yeah, like your dad killed himself. At kid. any minute, no, that go would be have friends been with Peter. Information. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, as a diehard Spider-Man fan, how do these villains rank to you? Like Colin, where do you put? Green Goblin 2 and Sandman in the the pathos of Spider-Man Rogues Gallery. Sandman is so fascinating to me and what people prescribe to him. If you two didn't know, in the comic books, he is quite often a vigilante. He is one of the few who turns around and has like his own like superhero suit, like a weird green harnessy thing to match the stripes. Um, mm-hmm. I don't ever need him. I don't ever need him again. This is the look. You would never be able to top it unless you did go the vigilante route. No, I mean, he looks like he came right accurate. out of the cup. The hair that they do on Thomas Hayden Church, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I We'll talk about it when we get to the new Marvel ones. I just wish that they would touch Doc Ock again. It, it doesn't yeah. make sense to me to leave well, any Spider-verse. of these people behind. I mean, yeah. Sandman yeah. is just so low tier for me. Like... This guy is, you know, I would I would put him with Beetle in terms of like characters I I want to see Spider Man face off against. Like you tease the lizard for three movies at this point, you couldn't give us the lizard. Yeah, it could have been lizard. Right. I think the 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 problem with all these villains in this movie is that because there's three of them, none of them get fully developed or like a closer close more closely examined, and obviously the easiest to do that with would have been James Franco as new goblin. Um, and then I would had, yeah, I would have had Sandman as like a more tertiary character and the main thrust of this movie should have been, you know, Harry and Peter. Um, Sandman could have been someone like shocker. I mean, like he's so, it doesn't matter at all. He could have been any number of Spider-Man goons that you could have just thrown in there. Rhino, any one of them. I'll take, but right. I'll take any of it of adaptations versus the datedness of the fucking snowboard, the snow hoverboard, the sword that he pulls out. New Goblin is the hardest thing for me to swallow in this got trilogy. Bomberang. <laughs> He's got. I don't like. I've him. got one left, Mike. How, what do you think of the half face? Because <laughs> that is that is some of the roughest stuff in this uh, trilogy. Batman for me. thing. I just the villains as a whole, yeah, none of them have any 
wait. You know, you get a shittier version of Green Goblin. You get Sandman, who, you know, Hayden Christian Church, but it's or Thomas Hayden Church is Hayden Christensen's least favorite because he hates sand. <laughs> so Anakin is not a fan at all. True. He kind of acts um, like him, too. He could be his dad. Well, it could be, right? That's Darth Vader, uh, his father. Um, and Venom, like I said, they were setting up in the second movie that Jonah's son just came from space. Why is the symbiote not from that mission that was set up in the previous movie? They're just like, oh, they're no, making no, it out just comes down web hammock. Independently. Yeah, and it just... You know, you had threads that you could have connected to just make something more cohesive, like the butler having that information. Maybe don't shoot that scene and have Harry come to a realization after like a near death, life and death battle with Peter. It'd be like, right. what am I doing? We're best friends. There's no way he Jesus. watched the dailies, Mike. If he had, he would have seen that performance. <laughs> he would have said, well, apparently, like, oh, we Bernard. Apparently Bernard took like 40 takes to get that because he would just oh. say the wrong <laughs> shit. He was pierced by his own trailer. I think there was a read that was just like, <laughs> is that what true? Are you talking about? Yeah, I'm going to find it in the episode. Um, it's, um, yeah, yeah, but I think the main problem, like they could have pushed Venom. They should have pushed Venom to the fourth. Set up Eddie Brock. Mm-hmm. Set up the symbiote. Then we have, you know, Peter... You know, struggling with the symbiote, the black suit, and everything. At the and then the climax is him, you know, getting rid of the symbiote and then fighting Sandman, and then they could have had Venom in the next one. See, I think the tough thing, the tough thing here, and I think it's uh, something all superhero movies struggled with before you got to the the birth of the MCU. Is Spider Man Two is a perfect movie. It's the perfect Spider Man movie. It tells that story. What is the story mm-hmm. for the third one? You know, like it's not going to be him giving up being Spider-Man. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have a clear place to go and it doesn't really have a reason to keep going. So like, even the one you're saying is like, well, what if the third one, you know, you set up Venom for the fourth one. It's like, well, your whole movie can't be setting up for the fourth one. It needs to, well, no, I just, its own um, two legs. I would have set up Venom in addition to having like a Deathly Hollows one and two kind of. Yeah, scenario. but I just would have set up Eddie Brock. I wouldn't even have like the end credit scene would have been Eddie Brock getting the Venom symbiote. Yeah, but then the just focus more on that. Yeah, I would have focused more on New Goblin and just Harry and Peter and their relationship. Um, because I d- like I said, if he's kind of acting like manipulating Peter, pretending like he doesn't know, he yeah, never gets amnesia. yeah, I would have taken out the amnesia art. for sure. Because I yeah. think the black suit stuff does work well. Because like in the second one, he's losing his powers. This one, he's you know he has to reject has too much the, power, the, the dark he's power. An yeah, and so yeah. it's him yeah. realizing that he needs to get rid of that. That should have been like the main dramatic, you know, build he's up. Gaining power, rejecting it, and learning to own it, and then. Dealing with abusing it, I guess, are the three yeah. thematic arcs of the using, losing, and abusing. Convoluted. Using, losing, and also the the symbiote. It's just kind of not well done because I just have questions like why. So when the symbiote gets on Peter, it turns into a a black Spider-Man suit, but then when it gets on Eddie, it just makes him Venom. It's not really explained. Well, yeah, it's not really explained yeah. because the symbiote is supposed to hate Spider-Man as much as. Eddie does, but it's so rushed, like you don't really get that that explanation right. in there. It just kind of comes and goes really quick. But at the same time, it's like a two and a half hour long movie. So yeah, it's not short. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of extra characters, I mean, we have spoken. Gwen Stacy's in here, like you said, being a model now for for 
fax machine. What's that in my background? I mean, so you get Bryce Dallas Howard, Gwen Stacy, I think, shoehorned in. Yeah. Uh, I think when we get to next week's episode, it's a, it's a lot better. I feel um, like maybe one of the better things in those, but I don't want to jump into it. Yeah, that one. In it's, these films, Bryce Dallas Howard, not necessary. I think, really, yeah. For me. <laughs> for me, like it, that could have been anybody, but they just decided to name her Gwen Stacy as like a reference yeah, to the comic 100%. books. But I don't have a problem with that as much. Just because. This is also sorry, yeah, two episodes in a row where we've been like. Bryce Dallas Howard comes into these movies and just kind of fucks them up. So Terminator yeah, and yeah. this, it, it is interesting the career she's had. I'd say the same about Jurassic Park too. Yeah, so. I also don't we like those Jurassic done Park that movies. trilogy yet. We've only done one Jurassic movie on the podcast. But I don't know if I would blame her because you know how I feel about Chris Pratt from the Indiana Jones movies. Oh yeah, you hate Chris. Uh, Pratt. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, I. Um, it's not hashtag not my Gwen Stacy like it's just uh, I don't know the idea of her being a model the idea of her being super into Spider-Man if you know anything about her in the comics like she fucking hates Spider-Man as much as J. Jonah Jameson like to give her that like Spider-Man fangirl element I don't know this could have been Carrie Kelly this could have been uh, Liz Allen you could have thrown Betty Brant into that role and reworked it like I don't know it just shouldn't have been Gwen I mean, it, my kind of general overall thoughts on this movie are Sam Raimi got so many notes and pushback from the producers of like, we have to put this in the movie. We had to put this in the movie where he's just like, you know what? Yeah, um, I'll tell the cameras where to point. It'll be in focus. I'll give you your Gwen Stacy, you know, and, and here you go. Here's Spider-Man 3 in peace. You know, that's how I really feel about what went down. By this point, Mike, it could have been Mick G. It could have been someone else coming in who didn't respect the previous two films, didn't have a good relationship with the cast to be able to pull their chemistry out. It is impressive that Sam Raimi was like, I'll write it till the end, even though I'm getting hammered from all sides here. Like, this is not fun making this third one. He's come out and said that. Yeah, unfortunately, I think, you know, how many times have we heard the tale of too much studio interference ruins movies? It happens all the time. And Justice League was great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just got some news about that today. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like just let, you know, a director like Sam Raimi, obviously he knows what he's doing from the first two. Just let him do what he wants to do. Probably would have had a better movie. But studios, they never seem to learn. So what are you going to do? Studios be hey, studio. Spaceballs 2, the quest for more money. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder about bringing his deft hand back in for Doctor Strange. You know, we're getting that talk Joe brought up before. He very cleverly incorporates the name Doctor Strange into these films. Everybody's like, oh, it's been a thing there the whole time. Would he, after the experience he had with this, with the failed Spider-Man 4 in 2011, where, again, he was sticking to his guns. He was on ship. Even as it was going down, the captain did not leave. Uh, oh, of course I'm making that. Oh, we're not? Okay, whatever. Well, goodbye, Sony. I'll do whatever else. To come back to these superhero films again, I, it's, it's interesting because I feel like it's just going to be another workman job for him. I... I I fear that that's the mode he must be in following this film. Well, I feel like, you know, if you compare Marvel Studios to Sony, one has a little bit better of a reputation right now. And even though also Marvel's reputation is that, you know, if the director, 
you know, if they don't jive with the director, they'll drop him and get someone else. They've done that. I don't several know if that times, so. that applies to someone like Sam Raimi, though. Like I feel no, like but Sam I mean Raimi Edgar Wright can go in there and throw his know. weight around. Um, Edgar yeah. Wright, though. Yeah, Edgar but Edgar Wright, Wright's good, a lot right. younger than Sam Raimi, and him and Kevin are friends who worked on Spider-Man Two together. Like I don't know. To me, this kind of feels like oh, I'm bringing in my buddy to to pitch cleanup. Yeah, and this is going to be great. No, I would say if I was Sam Raimi, I would definitely trust the direction the MCU has had for the last several years, as opposed to what Sony's done for the last you know two decades, other than one movie that happened Ransom to be good. one yeah. character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely wouldn't, you know, I, I'm interested to see what he's going to do with Doctor Strange. I think it'll be pretty interesting. So getting back to his horror roots, too, I think. So that should be interesting. One of the best scenes in this trilogy is the spooky scene in number two. So to give him a whole movie to explore that, I love that idea. Yeah. Assuming it oh, ever yeah. happens. Raimi, baby. Yeah, we'll see if there's yeah. ever filming again. I like that. Um, let's hit our final thoughts. thoughts. And thwips. Yeah, let's let's do our final thoughts on three. That's a new segment. Thoughts and thwips. I love it. And last Campbell talk. Let's say um, snooty mm-hmm. waiter. Oh, I speak French, of course. I am uh, French. I am French. I am French. <laughs> Look, uh, I would say I am French almost every day. At work. <laughs> you would. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> This is this is my favorite. I think it's so fucking funny. It gives Bruce Campbell so much room to do so much dumb stuff. This almost pisses me off more than the second one, Joe, because I don't mind authority, but it's when I see people like fuck up, like when he's like signaling to the band and the no no yeah. no no no's. I'm always like, ah, just get it together. But he's just trying to help. Yeah. No, I love it because it's obviously so slapsticky. The, uh... Yeah, obviously mm-hmm. the dinner doesn't go how Peter is expecting it to go, so his plans kind of change. But yeah, I think he's great as this French later. Um, my favorite of the Bruce Campbell appearances for sure. Wow. Uh, I think I prefer the movie theater. It's good, and there's a lot going on, but um, maybe it's also just my dislike of this movie. But <laughs> I think the uh, the whole tie your shoe and fix your tie, yeah. the, the bait and switch that you get with that scene. I yeah, this is not bait and switch. This is... Uh... Ah, romance. I am French. <laughs> it's like, why is he yeah. trying to convince you he's French? I don't know. It's, it's just so weird. It works for me. This movie is so weird, uh, and it yeah. just fits in with that weirdness. Bruce's um, it's like, wife, a costume designer, she worked on these movies. So you do kind of love that there's this mm. romance feel to it. It's a family yeah. joint. This is his best friend directing. I just fucking love it. Yeah, it's making jokes together. Yeah. There are no bad Bruce Campbell cameos. Let, let's no. make that clear. No. They're just varying degrees of great. So so for my final thoughts, I just want to say one thing. that um, During the jazz piano bar scene, um, I can believe that Peter is like a good dancer because he's Spider-Man. He has like agility and stuff. So I believe all that. But how, when did he learn to become a jazz pianist where he can just no. all of a sudden start improvising on the piano? Like uh, The symbiote. Um, <laughs> The symbiote oh, took yeah. classes while he slept. They have pianos on their home. <laughs> yeah. um, but overall, I think this movie is hilarious. Like I said, one of the funniest movies ever made. Very entertaining to watch. And for that reason, um, while I think it's like the worst movie of these th- these three movies for sure, I would give it. Uh, I'll give it three and a half whips. So a half whip higher than the first one, just based on my entertainment value from watching it. Wow. 
Wow. So okay. let's do final ranking here. So that ended up with Jacob. You're saying number two, three, number one. Yes, not in like I think the f- one is a better movie than three, but I like three a little more just personally. Based on the swips, <laughs> your personal swips, that's your order, yeah. man. All right. Um, I guess I'll go then. Um, I had very high expectations for Venom. I heard he was going to be in it. This is the time where I was scouring Yahoo and like pre-Google for like leaked images. It's the first time I was like, they, they got a photo of the set and I want to know what the suit looked like. And I heard at um, Comic-Con they showed real this. Real disappointed. Yeah. Like trying to read the room and watch those 140p videos. Like what the hell did we, we get? Um, villains are bad. Writing is bad. I don't like... Um, Spider-Man 2, we get Peter Parker. Everyone hates him because he's trying his best and he just can't manage it. This is like, he's just a fucking asshole. And I guess that's the point, but it's just handled poorly. And it feels like there's too much studio involvement. It just feels less genuine than the other two. So it's my least favorite. Two thwips out of five. So I go five thwips, number two, three thwips, number one, and two thwips for the third movie. Yeah, my least favorite of these. Not shocked to hear that. Um, I'll go next here. I I do remember this one being bad in theaters, guys. I'm not cool. You know, I don't know stuff like that. Somebody had to explain to me that Phantom Menace was bad after I saw that, but that's maybe an age thing. Same, you know? same. Um, no, yeah. you need to think like this. <laughs> Truly. I, I remember someone being like, no, 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 you're wrong on that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, but this one... <laughs> that makes sense. I, I knew it. Like, as it was happening... When it hit the credits to when Sandman turned into the giant Sandman, where literally it's just a news report. Oh, didn't you guys know he's over there and he already did it? Oh, okay. And then there's just kind of the goblin bombs and Harry's helping out and then Harry dies. I just remember feeling so unsatisfied with this. Watching it now, I mean, it goes against the thesis I set up top. I do want people to take these movies seriously. I don't think it's cool to just kind of laugh at the winkingness, but... uh, I, I can have more fun with this one now than I did back then. I will, I guess I'll just also put it at four. I'll just say that mine go two's the hmm. best and three and one are just hanging out together, man. It, you, you can't mix them up. I do want to say, I think the, you know, the final fight scene is very uh, anticlimactic and disappointing and the Hollow. Venom appearance in general. Um, as much as I do think Topher Grace as Eddie Brock is fun, once it becomes Venom, it's like, first of all, Venom's barely in the movie, and then I just don't like him at all as Venom. So, so fortunately, you know, Venom got the short stick several times in the in movies. Don't worry, Tom Hardy boys. Jacob will get to talk about it, though. Just hang in there. <laughs> gonna I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it three and a half thwips as well. Look, even the worst Spider-Man movie is still a Spider-Man movie. The melodrama is very much there. Um, I do enjoy it in a weird way now. Like I do have like a tongue-in-cheek relationship with this, almost the same way I do with uh, Batman and Robin. You know, like those are very similar for me. Um, and I, you know, I enjoy it. The soundtrack has a song from the Flaming Lips called um, "The International Being Interdimensional Being Teaches Spider-Man How to Love." which is like a really weird song again, like snow patrol is on there really crazy soundtracks. And I think like they were kind of leaning into that for this one. So there's definitely stuff there. Um, yeah, three and a half whips. So that ends for me. F- 
five out of five for the second one, four out of five for the first one, and three and a half out of five for the third one. So two, one, three. Okay. There you go. I think that's what most people would say. So I gave the lowest number of thwips for any individual film in the Raimi-verse, but that's also because I felt very betrayed by Venom. I think I still carry that <laughs> scar. <laughs> yeah, I let it go, I guess. Yeah. Not a Toby boy. I get that. All right, Normies, let us know your thwips too, but right now we're going to jump to our wrap-up, give our final thoughts here on the blockbuster phenomenon that was the Spider-Man trilogy. Spider-Man, a Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. A spins a web any size, catches bees, or draws flies. Oh God! We're back. We're talking Spider-Man here. We're talking the Sam Raimi trilogy. There's a couple other outstanding things. Um, would this have continued? There was a lot of talk. John Malkovich, the Vulture. Anne Hathaway, his daughter, an original character, Vultureess for mm. the fourth movie. Uh, would not have liked that. <laughs> you see these castings all the time. Tobey Maguire should be Uncle Ben in the Homecoming universe. He should be part of Marvel. He should be blah, blah, blah. He should be married to Marissa Tomei. Um, there was talk for... I'm curious. Oh, he's there was talk. Hey, he could pull it off with that hairline. <laughs> uh, there was talk about an appearance from his character and his voice and Andrew Garfield as well in um, uh, into the Spider Man into the Spider Verse thing. I almost said Spider Man into the dark. <laughs> a no. very different thing <laughs> <That's> <laughs> uh, that we have not mentioned. Um, I don't know the the continuation of this. I guess I'll ask that. As you're thinking about your wrap-ups, too, it's like, this was so much of our DNA. Would you have wanted more? Do you need to see Toby come about at some point? I, I don't know. I gotta piggyback on that. There was a tease last year that Marvel put out for a new Spider-Man comic. And they the way they started this tease was by tweeting out a four in web. And everyone lost their fucking minds because they thought we were going to get Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 4 as a comic book. We've seen that with Batman 66 before. There were rumors about a Batman 89 happening. So everyone was really hot on that idea. And then the next day they tweeted a 3 and everyone's excitement just disappeared. I mean, I remember like being uh... so crushed and then immediately thinking like, why Why would you start a countdown on four other than to, like, give us a taste of the P- the Parker luck ourselves? Like, you don't so start what was a the countdown on four. Three, oh, two, what was Jacob the countdown this, four? Jacob. Jacob, it Mike, was, and Normes. It was Joss Whedon being announced as a writer for J. J. it with Abrams. his son. Like a 12-year-old. First Ugh. time coming together to oh, write J. J. a Spider-Man Abrams. comic. Yeah, I'm J. sorry, J. J. Yeah, Josh Whedon. We wrote J. J. a Spider-Man comic. Insane. Yeah, oh, it was that's so hilarious. Funny, JJ. Infuriating. Yeah, it was like, hey, it's not what you want, and nepotism reigns. It's like, oh, so well, that's three for the Jayster, Star and Trek, Nosworth. Star Wars, and Spider Man. Yeah. Anything with an S. Yeah, JJ's keep it never away from ruined him. any other friend. 
Um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys, the more knowledgeable Spider-Man folks. Um, so when we're talking about Spider-Man 4, Sam Raimi, the one thing I remember hearing for years is that Sony was trying to make a Sinister Six movie, right? For like years and years and years. And I, I feel like that started right after Spider-Man 3. And they're like, okay, so we're going to have Spider-Man 4 and then we're going to have Sinister Six, which is going to be like all the villains, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So what's going on? What's going on with that? We're going to talk that? more about that next week. That's going to be a okay, part gotcha. of uh, next week's conversation more than this week's. Gotcha. But they have been working on gotcha. it forever. And uh, they had half the number that they needed in this movie. So they were close to <laughs> not the right people. Yeah, but we can't get three to work, Mike. Let's yeah. let's squeeze yeah. six in. And they did Sandman kind of finally get what they wanted. The with original the, six, though. With the Venom movie coming off the ground and being a box office success, they kind of got partly what they want. Now they're doing a million other things. But. Next, Next week we'll week. get there. I do want to mention, uh, thank these movies. I have a PlayStation 3 behind me, and it has the Spider-Man font that Sony just loved at that era, that even they used yes. it for their consoles <laughs> and all their PlayStation yeah. branding was the Spider-Man font. So Sony uh, loves their Spider-Man so much that they would be forced to reboot this and uh, just hold on to them, and uh, we'll talk about that more next week. But overall, the Raimi ones are great. Like I said, personally, I think two is... Potentially the greatest superhero film of all time. Definitely my favorite Spider-Man film. Check them out, normies, uh, if you got the time. Yeah. There is a slickness to this, to these films in particular. Just the, I think about the sheen of those glasses, the posters, that blown-out orange. Um, it just feels very cutting edge. These movies, the attempt at these movies, they're. There's some of my favorites. I don't like what happens to Spider-Man after this for cultural opinion. It's interesting that he's the character people have latched onto the most to say like, ah, oh, look at how they reboot stuff. Well, Spider-Man blah, 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 and Spider-Man this and blah, 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 with Spider-Man that. You know, I always looked at James Bond and said, yeah, who gives a shit? You know, there's always been stories like point. that. Um, right. So the the lumping of him as a blockbuster, as we're doing our experiment here, as we look at these blockbuster films and break them down this summer, I think Spider-Man works the best out of a lot of these heroes to sum up the comic book just thesis of he's a hero, he's in the sunshine, he's in the daylight. A Batman movie kind of doesn't work as a summer blockbuster. It's darkness. It's cold. A lot of the times they're winter movies. Jacob, you said Jim. your off-pod favorite um, trilogy, superhero trilogy, might be those Christopher Nolan Batman films. Yeah. You know, next to these, there's there's a lot harder to touch. You wouldn't say that the Tim Burtons are your favorite because then they spiral out. But then if you're just doing right. trilogies, it's hard well, to look Nolan- away from both of these. Yeah. Yeah, the Nolan trilogy is less comic booky, more like set in the real world, but not really, but like in a way that's like sort of believable in a um, relatable way. But these yeah. films feel so relatable too. They they would certainly yeah, no doubt. stand next to each other. I can't think of any other ones in the genres that would be capable of doing that. I like that about these. I like that there is a gold standard about what a Spider-Man movie should be and that it's leaked out more to well, actually, I wouldn't mind if there was a Batman movie that was like Spider-Man 2 or, oh, you know, Logan, it's interesting, blah, blah, blah. But Spider-Man 2, people people have a standard to it. I, I like that. It, 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 
it really makes Spider-Man feel important. I like that people like him. I like these movies for that reason. I do think um, this is the most cohesive and self-contained superhero trilogy of, of all time. Um, because if you're looking at something like the Nolan Batmans, you know, they kind of, you know, the third one kind of gets a little crazy. Um, X-Men, obviously, third one gets a, a little crazy. Different ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it, but in this time. one, the third one gets a little crazy too, but I feel it, like, hell yeah, it does. <laughs> but I feel like even the third one in this, it fits in tone with the mm. other two more than other trilogies might. So to me, these all feel very self-contained as a trilogy and they work well together, even with some of the worst parts of three. I also love what you just said for what the films are. The introduction of a giant ball world-ending device in Dark Knight Rises by the third film, that is wacky. In the second Spider-Man film, a sun-creating giant ball device that's going to blow up the city is right, right on brand. Mm-hmm. It, that right. is an impressive balance that those two films do feel so fucking distinct. And they're both comic books. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and obviously, at some point down the line, we'll talk about Batman because I've got a lot of thoughts about him, too. But as the, you know, as the least, um, you know, I was, like I said before, I was never really a Spider-Man kid growing up. I was a DC kid. I was watching Justice League on Cartoon Network. Um but I do like these movies a lot, and I like them when I first saw them. I like them now. I think they're great um, for what they are, and they're originators of the genre in a way that, you know, obviously Tim Burton, Batman, et cetera, was, was, came before it. But this one, I mean, if you, could, if you could imagine back then telling yourself as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old that, you know, in, in 15 years we're going to have like 50 different superhero movies, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't believe that, right? That you would have six Spider-Man movies, Jacob. By yeah. the time that we are, how old we are, I'd be like, no, no, we're not. <laughs> that yeah, so this really right. started, I mean, this changed blockbusters forever. So, you know, we've been doing the, the big movies that have changed the direction of blockbuster movies. You know, Indiana jo- Jaws, Indiana Jones, Terminator. Now this, in the early 2000s, I mean, look around. Superhero movies are all the you know, all the biggest movies are about superheroes or something like that. So hugely influential and a lot of fun to go back and watch these for sure. Right. I mean, I, I was a Spider-Man kid. Like the 90s Spider-Man cartoon was, was probably my earliest introduction. These movies will always hold uh, a special place in my heart. And I think for a lot of people, they were their first introduction to the character. So if you have a fondness for these movies... Uh, I would say don't be afraid to jump back and read comics from the late 70s or from the late 60s, early 70s. because you're going to get a lot of the same melodrama. You're going to get a lot of the same things you love about Toby's Peter Parker in those comics. Uh, I'm so excited we're talking about Spider-Man. Yeah, like I I don't want to beat a dead horse because there's, there's not much else I can say beyond these movies are great. Joe, as the comic book guy, do you think there's something special about Sam Raimi only does Ditko properties, the big two from Marvel, <laughs> Spider-Man and Doctor Strange? I do. I mean, I think I think Spider-Man and Peter Parker and uh, Sam Raimi see work really well together because Sam Raimi sees a lot of himself in Peter Parker. And I think we can all see a lot of ourselves in Peter Parker, which is why he's so relatable, which is why he's going to be rebooted nine million times. 
and uh, everyone's going to love him forever because there is something really human about a all red and blue suit because you can just picture yourself in that suit and you have the same type of problems that he has. Uh, they're just a little more dramatic. Like my best friends aren't getting amnesia, but like, yeah, we, we my best friends. things sometimes. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. I love the, the Joe lie as you guys have pitched it. It's a great <laughs> birthday gift for me. I can't wait to talk more Spider-Man, but I'm glad we started with uh, what really started it all off for, for people our age. Like you said, the, the character will continue to be reborn ad infinitum as long as there are people on the Earth. Um, and it's almost like you could spin off an entire universe, an entire Spider-Verse, as it were. And maybe we'll be able to talk mm. more about that in <laughs> next week's episode as we continue uh, Joe mm. Lye and the Spider-Summer now that we're getting into it. So um, be sure to hit us with your favorite Spider-Man movies and facts and quips. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you riding with us on the, uh, the old web here. There's going to be so many people who reach out to us, Mike, and say, uh, why didn't you cover Japanese Spider-Man and his Leopardon Spider-Man? <laughs> Again, Leopardon. go back to our old episode, Normies. We got more Spider-Man content for you. And like Mike just said, for the rest of July, we've got some even more. Get ready for it, Webheads. Um, we're super excited. As always, reach out to us at Normies underscore like underscore us on all social media. Let us know what you're doing for Summer of Fun. If you're watching some blockbuster trilogy, quadrilogy, um, that you think we're missing, and you're saying, guys, this is what I'm doing for my summer of fun, let us know. You know, uh, we love that, Normies. We love to know what you guys are up to. And as always, we're your hosts. This is Sensational this Call. Ultimate Mike. Amazing Joe. Oh, this is Spectacular Jacob. Oh, and Bonesaw's back. <laughs> oh, Bonesaw, Bonesaw is ready. Oh, Bonesaw. You're going nowhere. <laughs> You're not going you nowhere. You thought you could do this podcast without me coming back? <laughs> no way. The cream always rises to the top. Hey, That's just Macho Man. Show. <laughs> <laughs> All you got to do is Macho Man, though. Yeah. Thanks, normies. Hell yeah, this is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around. <laughs> so you have, what's your favorite J. Jonah Jameson line? I love when he's getting all the phone calls like, Sir, your wife just called. She lost a checkbook. He's like, thanks for the good news. Yeah, and thanks he for the goes good news. on with his conversation. We can get pictures of Julia Roberts in a thong. We can get pictures of this guy. Yeah, that's not a dated reference. Yeah. That's slander. No, it's not liable. <laughs> Slander's in print. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Backwards, but yeah. Slander's in. Yeah. I don't know. Um, he just see. sends in pictures. I don't know. <laughs> see, that's such a great moment, though, because that's him showing his true characters, like, or his true character. Like, he's not going to fucking rat out Peter Parker because at his core, he's a good dude. That's true. Yeah. I was going to mention in the second one, like, he's a jerk all the time, but he doesn't. Like you said, he doesn't rat out Peter Parker. I, I respect him for that. Yeah, he's not. You also like him having to buy. Yeah, he's got to buy that camera from the girl though. It's like a little, <laughs> yeah. you know, film throwaway camera. Extra. Like, film costs extra. Hey, hey, it's hey, like hey, a cutie like, like, walk, 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 walk. I'm just a kid. <laughs> Why would I want a job? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I also like in the first one, so like we didn't mention it, but Green Goblin has great entrances. And my favorite is when J. Jonah Jameson like tosses a cigar out the window and it comes back and, and throws just, like, it looks back. at it. <laughs> Hold on, let's get a let's get, get a good um, come out to play. Uh, no, but we gotta we gotta get a full on somebody do um um and finish to, it. To, to the Lord, to I pray, I swear to me, swear to me. I also like um, another the great Willem Dafoe. <laughs> also, when he has, he's disguised as an old lady, uh, equipped with a special sound effect of a woman screaming. You know what? Goblin oh, is you know the best. That, that was wrong. That Goblin's sound effect um, was used in the... Uh, into the Spider-Verse um, soundtrack. The same oh, scream really? of the lady, yeah. They, they took that sound bite and put it in there. So there's. I also love when uh, another great moment is when he- Harry goes to his house to talk to his dad, and he's just there alone cackling to himself. Are <laughs> 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 you okay, Dad? Like, dad, are you, are you okay? I'm fine, Harry. <laughs> yeah, Willem <laughs> Dafoe. Amazing. Yeah. Good work, right, Will. Didn't stop. 